On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are taking relationship advice from Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac in Scenes from a Marriage on Sky Atlantic. Very much not taking relationship advice from Penn Badgley in season three of You on Netflix and watching Robert Carlyle try to run the country in the second series of Sky Max's Cobra, now called Cobra Cyberwar. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to a wide range of shows that Beth may or may not have written extensive 2,000-word articles on that neither <laughs> Boyd nor I have any recollection of. <laughs> and speaking of which, I am joined today by both of the aforementioned TV's Boyd Hilton and Pilot's resident Friday Night Lights expert, Beth Webb. <laughs> How are you? Basking in the glow of your validation, James. I took Thank a lot so of good. shit on Twitter this week, I don't mind telling you. <laughs> I will say, though, I mean... And thank you, thank you, Twitter, for leaping to my defence. But I did witness either last, no, it was last week, James making a point and then Boyd making the same point about 10 minutes later. So I will oh. say that whereas, you know, it is an inherently gendered thing to be ignored in the workplace, yeah. everybody yeah, ignores On the Pilot TV podcast, it's gender yeah, agnostic. I think it's an egalitarian um, thing. And one of our um, regular correspondents on Twitter said something to the effect of, how dare any of you um, multitask during the recording of, you know, their favourite podcasts? Yeah. Because, you know, famously, you know, Terry Sizzle emails. And I think it was when you, James, were more involved in a um, in a lengthy discussion about some science fiction. Oh, anytime I start speaking, <laughs> yeah. I used to see Terry immediately um, be like, and I'm going you know, to do emails. My yeah. excuse for repeating something that James said 10 minutes earlier is that I'm generally, I'm often like looking at my laptop, I'm looking at my notes, yeah. I've got my notes, I've got, you know, different things. And I, so I, I sometimes get distracted yeah. on my own. Yeah attempt to be accurate. That's my explanation. Yes, I feel like I'm hoist by my own petard a little bit, or my own Picard, <laughs> if you will, because I have a tendency to do things Pure like that and go, well, Boyd, funny you should yeah. mention Picard, but, and then you're just like, and your brain goes, and switch off. <laughs> yeah, We absolutely. are now in for a lengthy James explanation yeah. that we do not need to hear. Plus, I know for a fact that James repeats things I've said 10 minutes later. Oh, yeah, of course. Repeat things he's said it's that's, a level, play, uh, a level playing field. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad we've established that. <laughs> yeah, it happens on Empire as well. It happens much more so on this particular podcast. Um, so, okay, like there are a few things that we need to, a little little bit of housekeeping I think we need to do. So we're going to go into what we've been watching, but I'm going to start what we've been watching by saying what I haven't been watching. And what I haven't been watching is okay. Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and it's also always funny in Philadelphia. Always funny in Philadelphia? It might always be funny in Philadelphia, but it is always sunny in, in yeah. Philadelphia. Uh, I've watched neither of these shows, so I can only apologise to both of you for being horribly remiss mm. in my viewing. Mm. And it's only because I have too much shit to watch. Um, we, we've no, listeners we have moved our recording day forward so we used to do it on Friday mornings we now do it on Thursday and because we do that I have one less day to watch things and it's proving quite stressful so I have an extra day to edit but a day less to watch stuff and I'm finding that a bit of a mixed so you're, you're the one who wants us to do it on oh Thursday. I'm very aware I mean, of that yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. let's just make that clear yeah, yeah it's yeah, entirely yeah. hoist by my own Picard once again yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah so, so it's been a little bit tricky so I will I will watch them probably not both in the same week I'll try and watch one next week probably yeah. the shorter one uh, <laughs> and then the other one after that but what i do think we should talk about right now is the ted lasso finale so so there will be people listening to this who have not yet seen the second season of ted lasso and people who are watching it who have not yet seen the finale um so for those of you who do not want to listen to us spoiling this uh do feel free to skip ahead i will put the timings in the description so that you can avoid all spoilers for those of you diamond dogs still with us however that was oh, a, my oh, oh my god! Oh my god! I love you embodied in Izzy like sure. oh, yippee dog. I'm not sure if even Alan Partridge should attempt. That. I can go full coach beard if I need to. I mean, that's, that's absolutely fine. So, so I think we need to talk about. We need to talk about about Ted. 
and not just the finale, but the season of the whole. So what did you two think of season two of Ted Lasso, the formerly half hour sitcom that has become <laughs> a near hour long drama? Uh, well, this to me now, and, it, and because it is an entirely different show. This feels like an entirely different mm. show um, than the first season. The first season to me felt like a, a small group of creatives. No one was especially well known. I mean, Jason Sudeikis, you know, qu- quite well known in like the comedy circuit, you know, did some SNL, did like, things like 30 Rock, but wasn't like A-list caliber and is now getting like a million an episode for this. But it just got, sort of came out. It was, it was hard. It was, I mean, I said it before about it. It was the tonic during a time when people needed affirmations when they needed you know an abundance of love and care um and I just think they weren't anticipating this level of success whatsoever um and then it all came and then I think all that's happened is Apple have said you know go take all that money and go and I think that's that's what's happened here and it's become just a bit too conceptual for me uh and a bit too sprawling what I liked about the first season was that there were just a few points to run with so it was essentially Ted his divorce, his mental health as a, as a result of that divorce and, and as we learned this season, something more deep-rooted. And then it was Rebecca's grudge against her ex-husband. So it was those core plot points with a little bit of football. That's what it was. And then all these marvellous characters got to kind of come out and grow and, and kind of be these works in progress that we got to see kind of evolve. And there's still works in progress this season. I like that. But it's just gone so conceptual and sprawling. There's still stuff in there that I love a lot. And we finally get to see more of that in the finale, I think. But I think they could have just cut down half of those storylines, half of those kind of uh, ambitious kind of tears always. I didn't like, for example, the kind of Love Island subplot with um, Jamie Tart, who, by the way, someone said I sound like on Jamie Twitter. Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart. Apparently, I've got, it's, it's like... <laughs> you sound like Jamie Tart. Someone said on Twitter. Manchester. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> could Yeah, no. Yeah, there's been some, some speculation about my accent on uh, Twitter, which has been very funny to watch unfurl. But... Uh, yes, for, for example, I didn't like that kind of aspect of, of the show that came out. I didn't love the standalone coach episode. That might just be me. Beard after hours. Beard after hours. Um, yeah, I think it's a different show now. It's writing with a future in mind, whereas the other one wasn't quite as much. It's writing with legs. It's it's ended in a way that is very much building up to a third season, some of which I'm looking forward to seeing and some of which I'm, I could do without, to be honest. Because mm, it's the whole thing about how do you meet expectation? Because the first season came out in a vacuum, exactly as you say. They had no agenda. They were just whacking it out there. Let's see how it does. And now it's like, how do you follow on the show that became the patron saint of COVID? Mm, like, how do, you, mm, how do you follow that mm. on? And they went a little bit experimental yeah. at times. Boy, what did you think? Um, I thought the finale was was great. I really liked the finale. I thought the finale was a kind of a return to core Ted Lasso values, yeah. if you like. Because yeah. um, it was really funny and, you know, it had a football, it had a solid football did. Um, element to it, which they, which they always do very well. And, you know, I think the whole, I really liked the whole Ted anxiety storyline. I thought that yeah. was really good the way they handled that. And I thought the I was expecting more of a resolution to the Nick Mohammed's mm. character Nathan storyline cuz he's he's been the bell end of this the This is my bugbear. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm fine with it. I I I it's difficult to watch at times. I mean, the, in, in the in the previous episode, he spat in the mirror. Oh, yeah, when he was on that shopping That's trip, dark, which yeah. was, that dark. was dark, and he is dark. He does go, and I think Nimmo Hamid is brilliant in that role, by the way, brilliant in the finale as well. But then the very last, literally the last shot, yeah. 
sets up the next series. And I'm fine with that person. I think you he's know, broken bad. He's broken bad, <laughs> right? He has. And I think I think he is one of the most one of the MVPs of the whole thing. Yeah. Um so I think the fact that he's gonna play such a key role next season as a rival, clearly, because he's now at West Ham. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've done the spoiler that thing. It's fine. I didn't yeah. I didn't spoiler pay away. to that. Um so um, I really like the finale. I, I, I did. I thought that because I, I was expecting there to be a big scene with um, Nathan, where you know he goes, "Look, I have terrible self-esteem issues. Yeah. I need to see a shrink. I'm, I'm really sorry." I thought that was going to be that kind of resolution. Yeah. But yeah. this show, I think it's very indicative of the fact this show doesn't ever, very, very rarely resolves things in the way you expect it to. And that's my it's favorite true. thing about it. it my very true. favorite thing about it, like even when the shrink. When she'd gone without saying goodbye to Ted, yeah. and he got really annoyed with her. The way they resolved that was that like they went on to well, they went on to the pub. Yeah, yeah. and, that, and yeah. Like, there's just a different way of doing things, which I think that is is its kind of absolute um, the the brilliant creative brilliance of the show is in finding ways to not be incredibly predictable because mm. you know the whole thing in a way is a series of romantic comedy kind of elements meets sports rom communism if you rom communism mm. meets sports drama comedies which always end up with a way of you know there being a big you know last minute they did do the last minute penalty thing but even that I thought was quite smart and clever the way they did that so this long winded way of saying I still think it's one of the best things on TV. I do agree with Beth completely about the the one off the, the after hours episode. I didn't. I had issues with. It. I just thought the, everyone knows that they asked for twelve episodes, two extra episodes, and I think if you then do a one off kind of gimmicky episode focused on the one character, which tonally is maverick, and I admire. Mm. You know, I admire the idea about it, and I admire the attempt to be bold and, and all that. Use the B word, which I always use, but I thought the actual. I didn't enjoy watching it as much as I watched every other episode yeah. of the series. And I'm trying to think if there was another equivalent. Of there wasn't. That was the only kind of real episode that felt like a real, we're doing 12, we have to do something yeah. weird in the middle of it, like overly mm. conceptual in the middle yeah. of it. So apart from that, I didn't, I don't, I, do you know what? I don't even mind. I, it has changed and it, there is definitely more drama and the, the episodes are longer. I, I, I'm even fine with that. I think that's great. I think, I think that, you know, they're confident enough in the storytelling and having enough story and having enough characters, I thought uh, Tohib Jimo's character being, you know, being wooed by the super rich guy and how that resolves. <laughs> how that resolves. That was really funny yeah, yeah. and real. I thought that, that he would make that decision probably. So it, all, all, this, I'm, I'm waffling now, but I, I, I basically, bottom line, I still love it. I, I do. It's 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 like it's like when you go to a fish and chip shop. And you order fish and chips and they bring you an amazing burger. And you're like, this is a, an undeniably lovely burger, but I came here for fish and chips. Where are my fucking fish and chips? <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt going into this season. I, I like what they did. Even Beard After Hours, I thought was, it was bold. It was great. It had some batshit stuff in there. But I don't want that. That's not what I'm here for. Take this fucking burger away. I want some fucking fish and chips. And like, and it didn't make me feel the feels I wanted. Like, I don't know if these guys have noticed, but we're still the world is still on fire. Like, we're all still like, like mental health is in shreds. Yeah. You know, I I need a hug from Ted Lasso. Yeah. I need the buttery biscuits. I don't need the the salty bitch, which is sort of like you know, which he turns up on the final day. I don't want that. I want the sweet buttery goodness. And yeah. I didn't get it. And I think that I felt cheated by that. But the world cannot survive on sweet buttery biscuits alone. Oh, but you say you that, Boyd. To... I believe it 100%. Can. But, no. but everything else isn't sweet buttery biscuits. That's what I'm saying. The, the entire world is a salty bitch and this was our buttery biscuit. <laughs> exactly. And what we've been with, we're just hiding onto the salty bitch. But don't you think within, the, within one show, if the whole thing is that sweet, if the whole thing is relentlessly sweet, 
that you're going to get frustrated with it. Yeah, and I think at any other yeah. time in human history, yes. But I think no. as we are in the year salty bitch, I think we can all <laughs> I, take the buttery goodness agree. all day long, I don't agree. and it'll just and about keep us on an even gear. I don't agree at all. I think that's that. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're a woke um, <laughs> snowflake. <laughs> and, no, I don't really. I don't really. But what I do think is, I think I think it's exaggerated to the extent to which we need comforting. Everything. I mean, doesn't, everything <laughs> doesn't have to be comforting. You know, I mean, it just yeah. that's just bullshit. So, well, okay, but, but and I think this show still gave you incredible warm yeah. feels. Yeah, 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 it did. It did. And I but think yeah. I thought it incorporated a little bit of saltiness, particularly the Nick Hammond story, Nick Mohammed storyline, really well. Yeah. See, this this is the bit I think that I bump on the most, the Nick Mohammed storyline. So Nate, I think so. Nick Mohammed's gift is just. Sp- perfect pitch perfect deadpan comedy like he is so fucking funny and all of that went like he wasn't funny at all but deliberately it's a deliberate turn Mm. and all the way through it just made you really uncomfortable because he was unpredictable he was abusive actually abusive and it just it it just made you feel quite tense and anxious which as I've said is just not what I want from Ted Lasso (laughs) but when this went on like spitting in the mirror thing was dark like the, the face off he has with Ted is really dark and I felt like we didn't really get the payoff, the explanation for why he's become this yeah. screeching yeah. bellend. Like, well, and yes, we can read between the lines. There's subtext. Yes, he has self-esteem issues and he kind of talks about it a little bit when he talks to Ted. But but you st- it still doesn't quite ring true. Like, he was, was such a lovely... The, the episode where he took his parents to dinner was the... Was yeah. The, was really, yeah. But that, yeah. that I thought was going to go in a, in a different direction. I thought, okay, so he's he's gained his confidence. As I say, they're all working progresses and I like that we see the workings. I like that we see how how they become the people that they become. But it, it did seem to me like he was going to veer off in a, in a different direction. I feel like, whereas I, you're right, it doesn't resolve in the way that you're expecting. I still think that they need to show some of the repercussions that came with Nate. Even with Ted, who irked me a little bit this season, I'll be honest, like there's even a, a whole kind of... There's, there's this terminology toxic positivity that's almost been born off the back of this show. Yeah. Like, he's not great in some of the episodes. Like, he really oversteps boundaries, especially with the counsellor, who apparently just calls up her patients. I'd love that if my therapist <laughs> just called me up in the afternoon and been like, oh, right. saw, the, saw you got a bit of hate on Twitter. You're right. Like, that's not how therapy works. <laughs> uh, but, like, just, just some repercussions to, to ground it a little bit more in reality. It just felt like it was making him a balance for the sake of a third season in some instances if they were making a balance and not showing the workings and not showing the repercussions to draw out that storyline whereas I would have liked to have seen that sorted out a little bit earlier on I have a thematic question for you as well oh what don't f- I'm terrible what the fuck was going on with Nate's hair <laughs> Like, what was going on with Nate's hair? Nate, who got progressively (laughs) greyer and greyer as the season went on until he had full white hair at the end. It's like, is this like when they turn to the dark side in Star Wars and like the dark side twists their form to evil? I thought there was something wrong with my TV because um, (laughs) because it's true that often when you watch the the unfinished episodes, there are elements of it because you're watching it in like Ultra HD. Oh, so you thought thought his dark hair was CGI? Yeah, I thought it was actually grey hair. There's a weird CGI UHD issue with my TV. TV That's where so Nate's hair is like shiny because often image, the images on my TV are overly shining, especially when I'm watching it on Apple. On mm. Apple, and I so I, you know, I, I what's the word? Compensate. Stream it via oh, my right, um, yeah. Apple TV yeah, box. Same here to yeah. my huge TV. So I thought that was an issue. <laughs> Over, but it must be deliberate. Yeah, it yes. must be a symbolic. They've not done yeah. the post production on Nate's hair. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> it must be some kind of. Yeah, I was thinking. Oh no, it's deliberate. Yeah. They're, they're it's weird, weird though, isn't it? And no one references it, and it's just it's just strange, isn't it? Yeah. And there's lots of shots because that final shot is the back of his head but I think that's to kind of throw you off a little bit but yeah. it's, oh it's dreadful hair isn't it yeah. like, like I'm awful and something I actually really loved about Mythic
Magic Quest is it started to show girls my age, women my age, with grey hair, with natural mm. hair colours, which I, I would love to see more of in TV movie And I thought that was very much what was happening here. But the whole thing is like a, it's a plot device, isn't it? It's like yeah, another means yeah. of like drawing the narrative. It's really weird. It's like we get he's becoming increasingly a bellend because he's he's being awful. He's just being yeah. awful to everyone all the time. They did it with um, Catherine Winnick as well, Lagatha in the final season of Vikings. There's a scene. And then when you see her again, her hair is just glacier white and no one ever mentions it and it's not a reference and you're just like am I going a bit mad like what's happened here was that just really really upsetting for her but equally I'm not sure hair works that way doesn't it like does it go I white feel... from root to tip I would have thought if yeah. it's going to go grey it'll just grow grey at the roots right yeah, the whole hair doesn't change I feel we're not the best place people I mean yeah you're right me and you I don't have to worry week's about it the question has to be a hair related yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, I totally, yeah, that was very weird. We, it was we, very we strange. Yeah. Strange hair Gosh, related to us. Uh, we, I mean, I could talk about this all day, but Juno Temple. <gasps> yeah, and so she's good. the Amber, oh, Everything about them I love, but I yeah. think she, like the way she dealt with Nate going in for the kiss, which Ooh, could be, that could Really been, believable yeah. as well. Really believable. Yeah. Really believable. Yeah. And we'll get yeah. onto that, I think, later on in this show. It's a similar situation turns up in one of the shows we review. But again, it's that really awkward um, thing where oh, yeah. there's been an unwanted, amorous yes. advance. Yes. And it's the intense awkwardness of how you deal yeah. with that situation. I thought, again, well, that's why those things, again, what I love about the show, the way they deal with that and the way then the, the, the Goldstein's Characters. I always forget the names of the characters, by the Roy. way. Roy. Roy. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking <laughs> where. Roy Kent. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we've got we've got James chanting football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, if only that achieved, that is a mutual That's achievement. That's going to sit my hair shocking yeah. white as yeah. if he keeps well, doing yeah. the, the football chance. This is what, what a great achievement, Ted Lasso. They've got, they've got, they've got you, Chance. Well, do you know why? Why it resonated with me so much, Boyd? Because the only football match I have ever been to was indeed a Brentford game. So this took me Amazing. all the way back to my youth when Amazing I saw game. when I saw is it the bees? Yes. Yeah. When I saw the bees play the little football game against I don't yeah, know someone yeah. else. Brentford, you know, Brentford absolutely having a phenomenal season. Well, they, I think when they like like ninth division or something back in the nineties. 19- yeah. 80s when yeah, I saw yeah. them and now, now they're like proper they're now practically top of the Premier League yeah, yeah, above Arsenal uh, so yeah uh, shout out Juno Temple phenomenal and, yeah. and everything about her um, yeah and Brett Goldstein together is, is fantastic yeah um, had a one, and had and I also loved yeah. Rebecca's romance with um, with Sam, yeah. with Sam. I yeah. I've that, come around to that after I was I was not best pleased with that I mean frankly but... there's, a, there's a whole power dynamic workplace issue there yeah. but, yeah. but it's again, fine it's fine it's again, fine I, I think it's an HR nightmare but it's fine <laughs> But what this series does is it takes those things that are judged, people mm. judge. Mm. You know, I'm not saying you, but people judge people, other pe- people for age different, age inappropriate, whatever this. But, you know, I think this is a great kind of like... It was handled stop very fucking well. Judging it was. This, this is a quite healthy... Well. Yeah. Actually, this is a healthy situation despite all of the HR <laughs> implications and everything. I think it does those things so, so well yeah. that it doesn't stop... It doesn't. The writers aren't thinking what is the most appropriate way for us yeah. to deal with all these things. It's what is the most believable mm. way that often flies in the face of established if you like kind of socio-political um, beliefs yeah. indeed yeah. indeed no I think you're right believable over yeah mm. it is it is very believable yeah yeah well, that was our little impromptu spoiler special for Ted Lasso season two. Um, what other things have you people been watching? You people. Uh, you people. What have you people been watching? Well, I have to talk about, even though I really, really don't want to at this stage, just Squid Game. I, my whole week, I was saying to Boyd, just now my whole week has been Squid Game. <laughs> did the, so I had to do the review. Yeah. I, have to do, I did the review for, for you guys, uh, which meant I was about halfway through when I got asked to do it. So I had to finish it in an afternoon. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. About Squid Game. 
It's available. It's subtitled, obviously. Is there a dub? Is there a dubbed yeah, version? There is a dubbed version. Is the dubbed version subject to the same translation problems that the subtitles are? I don't know. That's one thing I don't know. And I've written enough like news stories about this show this week. I've done like radio talks about this show this week. I've covered everything possible apart from whether you get the same meaning from the dub version as a subtitle. Because as we discussed in my review, there's a difference between the English and the English CC subtitles. Um, you sent me the link and told me to include this in the review. I, I know, know I did that, but I don't think I read the article particularly carefully. <laughs> oh, I thought this was another... Yeah. another <laughs> did I bet? I don't remember that. <laughs> no, <laughs> soon in the show. <laughs> yeah, it's a running gag now. You literally no. told me this. No, no, but, it's, but so I knew there were translation issues, but I, and someone mentioned this on Twitter, that it was a difference between the two different types of yeah. subtitles. So, so what you're saying, the closed caption ones are Good? No, English good, closed caption bad. English good, yeah. Closed caption bad. Works yeah. generally for shows because closed yeah. caption is like yeah. yeah but isn't that on the closed caption is automated, isn't it? A lot of the time, yes. presumably not when it's Korean and it's got translated. Yes. Yeah. So this is yeah. Uh, so it's it's different changes the meaning of some of some of the dialogue. So you're actually yeah. okay if you're listening to the just English subtitles or listening to what reading That's them. It. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. listening to that. <laughs> <Although, laughs> I've noticed there's like moments where people say gosh a lot. People say gosh. I mean, yeah. they really say yeah. gosh. There must be a better. No one says gosh. So you've got to find a better word for that than whatever than yeah. gosh that you, that, and that's in the gosh. main the mainstream <laughs> English but, yeah golly um, you've got so yeah I Heavens just noticed above. that <laughs> yeah so yeah better in better in English I mean it's it's it is a phenomenon. I think it says a lot. I mean, we're talking about the salty, the year of the salty bitch. It says an awful lot about the world we're living in when you watch this show. It, I, I found it quite hard to watch. I did. I did a, like a five live chat about it yesterday and the presenter was saying how it's kind of cartoonish violence, which I can sort of get behind. It is like Tarantino sprays of blood. You know, it's very, very enhanced, but it is brutal. Mm. Like it is people being shot at close range en masse. Like the first game, I think it's about 200 people that are offed. Like it is a lot to kind of take in and it is relentless. There's still a lot of heart in it, but yeah, it's... uh, it's a lot. It's, it's all that it says in my review. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a lot. Beth Webb, four it's stars. A, it's a lot. I, you're right, that violence is, it, it doesn't lessen it just because no. it's like probably obviously CGI blood even or whatever because you're right it's you know we're used to the idea of one person shooting someone in the head for example at close range is a shocking moment and mm. then when you get dozens of people having that happening to them that it is it is incredibly powerful I, well, I was woken up at um, about 7 7.30 7.40 um, listening to Five Live and I heard Beth's voice <laughs> Talking about this, so, and I, I really was emerging out of sleep to reality. But didn't you go to sleep listening to me? I, probably, and then you yeah. woke up no, on the Empire once, podcast. No, I'd, and already, then, I'd already done that. Oh, and that's okay. a once a week thing. Listening to the Empire podcast late at night. But I have Five Live is my default. What I go to sleep to and wake up to. Right. So I lit, so I was like, oh, wait a minute, I recognise that voice. <laughs> that Are we Mancurian? Yeah, oh, it's Jamie Todd. Yeah, it's Jamie Todd in Pilot TV podcast review at seven forty. On a on a in the, in the morning, it's, it's really 6:50 weird. In the 6:50 morning. in the morning. It was, it was six, right really early. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. I was about um, to say, did you do it live? It's kind of in the name, isn't they, it? Oh, do you know what they do? They they repeat. They repeated it as well. Oh, did Not they? the whole bit. Just yeah. a, a few of your observations, because they then what they tend to do yeah. that. now well, and pretended go, they hadn't heard you said them like we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was. Yeah. I, so I, so yeah. Nikki Campbell goes, oh, you know, and we had a chat about um this show before, and here's what our expert critic said, and then yeah. they they played a bit of it again. So yes, it was disconcerting. Never to say the least but I've got up to episode I haven't finished it yet so I've got up to episode 6 and episode 6 is this legendary 
tug of war thing, mm. which is one of the most powerful single episodes of anything for a long, long time. You have to watch this thing. I know so, I do. I know I do. I mean, at some point, we either I just feel a little bit that we like, should do a, yeah. a special where you finally watched it and deal with all the issues you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, I am going to uh, have to watch it. It yeah. is a fun, like um, a South Korean broadband company sued Netflix because of the like surge of traffic they've had yeah. from people watching the show. Yeah. But it's actually, it's quite heartening, isn't it? Because ultimately, yeah. subtitle shows do alienate yeah. a certain amazing. percentage of the yeah. audience. And the fact that people are able to overcome, what it, was it uh, Bong Joon-ho called it, the two-inch barrier? Like, you know, Love him. Yeah, yeah. it's like... But it is. Like, it is a barrier for those of those people yeah. who are slightly yeah. attention deficit or like like to multitask because you've got to focus. You mm. can't just you know tip out on Twitter. And I think what's really interesting, I th- and I might have said this when we when I mentioned it the first time a couple of weeks ago, but forgive me, is that young people, particularly like in my like niece and nephews generation, like late teen, early twenties, yeah, are obsessed with this with this show, watching this show, and they're watching subtitles and they're watching it with subtitles, yeah. And I think that's like, and it's become because it's on Netflix. I think it, that is the unique power of Netflix. I mm. think if this had been on Amazon Prime, for example, or even like BBC Four or whatever, um, it just would not have had this impact. It wouldn't have had people of that, you know, 19, 18, 19, I don't think it would have had 18, 19, 20 year olds in their millions, literally mm. watching it and obsessing about it. That is the power of the cool brand that is Netflix. That it's making subtitled quite difficult, challenging viewing as well mm. series in the foreign language. Yeah. Um, turned into these the, the biggest cultural phenomenon of the moment. It is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Do you think it speaks to what uh, that Netflix chap who you spoke to spoke to about the discoverability? Ted about, Sarandos. It, was it Ted who told you this? Uh, Ted Sarandos, yeah. Who's telling you about why they don't publicise some of this stuff. It just pops up. Yeah, well, like, that, well, he said that. He has talked about that. And then another guy said that to me specifically, mm. yeah. But he said that ages ago, that they, they'd given up, you know, kind of... Um, trying to come up with like advanced um, what's the word I'm, 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 I'm grasping for um, <laughs> reviews notification no, no, warning no, 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 no. hype, hype. So, <laughs> anti, it's like anti-hype anti-hype so you know th- and this happened with this show that's a millennial mm. concept if ever there were one yeah so instead of hyping it up it's like every other channel pretty much yeah. every other rival to Netflix you know no matter how much stuff content they've got they will hype yeah, everything yeah. they've got hype that show certainly any original and Netflix does not do that and they didn't do that with this like th- I don't I don't remember that any being told about this show yeah. at all on any level by anyone <laughs> which is unheard of in the world yeah. of TV and publicity anti-hype yeah yeah see I always get the impression that kind of Apple do that but I'm not entirely sure it's intentional <laughs> <laughs> yeah I agree yeah exactly I think that is the difference yeah. <laughs> like they have amazing stuff yeah. and they just kind of forget oh, to yeah. tell you about and it and they're incredibly um, what's the word protective about with their weekly um embargo dates yeah, and you're allowed to review the whole thing in one go blah but blah blah anti-hype blah. I quite like that idea and I do think I, you know, I like that Christmas morning idea that people would turn on Netflix and they just have no fucking clue what's yeah. going to greet them yeah. every time they like fire yeah. it up the greatest show of all time The OA arrived as a surprise drop it famously did. season yeah. one one of the greatest experiences of my life it did. was watching that pretty much in one and people had to wait 45 minutes to find out what the show was called so. exactly exactly yeah <laughs> the power of that and, and I remember talking to the creators about it and they were like yeah it's fantastic yeah it's incredibly rewarding to have something that feels like a pure word of mouth yeah yeah mm. yeah definitely, definitely. so yeah Squid Game so Beth's been watching Squid Game yeah <laughs> me too I've got I've, well I've said I haven't finished it so I've got three more episodes to go um, I, I, uh, Blair Brown the new Labour Re- um, uh, Revolution which I mentioned last week yes yeah. I guess I heard good things about this um, so I've watched all of that that's all on iPlayer now it goes out on Mondays I think the first episode went out last Monday the second episode will be today if you're listening to this but it, it is like a because um, I lived through this, like I, you know, mm. I'm fa- fascinated with politics. Fascinated by politics, anyway. So to be there, to having lived through it in the '90s, when 
New Labour became a thing and the Tony Blair and Gordon Brown thing. And it, But as I said a couple of weeks ago, the best thing about it is you've got the two of them on the record being interviewed now about these these extraordinary things that happened and the unbelievable viciousness. So at one point, the, the fam- most famous part, I think, is in episode two, where the, so basically they started out as being two guys in the basement who coming together and they have a brilliant bromance between them and they kind of, you know, there was some kind of great affection and, and, and inspiration uh, between the two of them. And then by the time Tony Blair became Prime Minister, certainly for the second term, they would just fucking hate each other. And the people who worked for Tony Blair and the people who worked for Gordon Brown, they hate each other even more. <laughs> we're constantly undermining each other. And, and there was a famous moment where um, Blair's per- someone in Blair's um, people um, basically said that Brown was psychologically flawed, had psychological flaws, and that became a huge story everywhere. And um, and it's always been assumed it was Alistair Campbell. And he kind of denies it, but kind of doesn't a bit in the, in the show. Um, but I thought that, that moment alone was fascinating. Yeah. You know, just to kind of attack someone's mental health effectively mm. for political reasons shows how low it got. And there's just constant... Um, constants and the, just the two of them kind of Tony Blair a lot of the time just going yeah there's no other way of doing it apart from just being ruthless and I was the ruthless one and Gordon Brown wasn't the re- wasn't as ruthless and it, it's it's just absolutely fascinating wow. it's proper drama yeah. you know political drama and we are reviewing a political drama later yeah. it's interesting contrast between the two yeah mm. no I'm, I'm quite interested to see that it's obviously great. I'll have to watch it after it's I so watch good. Gilmore Girls and It's Always Sunny <laughs> slash funny yeah. in Philadelphia yeah. So. Yeah. I didn't watch my episode of It's Always Sunny either by the okay. way oh, good. So I don't feel so bad now I've also generally been distracted by Seinfeld, obviously. So yes. Seinfeld is now like a nightly. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Oh, yeah, I'm watching it. It's, like, it's not like you don't have the whole thing on DVD. So. No, I know. And I've watched the whole thing many, many, many times. But there is a joy to having it just like there, streaming, mm. and, you know, just, just constantly. You just have it on oh, all the time. Oh, they've won, haven't they, Netflix? So, I mean, it's kind they've of just default, won. Yeah. 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 Well, it is incredible how, how, how undated it is, how little it has dated. Yeah. I mean, it has in terms of the way it's made. Isn't George yeah. Costanza supposed to be like 33? Like yeah, he, that he was terrifies me. <laughs> he was yeah. Oh yeah, he was. A, he was. A, he was a, yeah. I mean, he basically looked the same. You know, he was bald, <laughs> and there's loads of great bald stuff throughout the whole thing. Yes. One of the great things, his baldness is a is a key element of his personality. Like like created by Larry David, for whom the same goes. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like the dialogue mm. and the kind of. I mean, there are moments where attitudes towards, you know, sexuality and gender, those things are That's fear related. But even them. then, less than a lot of other things I've watched. But just yeah. the just the wit of mm. the dialogue and the characters just sitting there in the in the coffee shop just talking shit to each other. Those moments are they have not dated at all. They are just fantastic. So yeah. So like so. when you're if you're watching it all the time, like when you're talking to someone now, if there's a lull in conversation in your head you don't hear the bass line. Boom, 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 yeah. Boom, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also I forgot the season three, which is the place where and you can start because series ones who aren't that great, apart from the odd episode, begins. They decided to remix the, the um the that theme tune and they added a chorus, a choric <gasps> bit with women going excruciating. And then they ditched after the episode. Clearly, so went, that is fucking awful, you idiots. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. That is spectacular. What about you, James? What have you been watching? What have I been watching this week? Oh, I see now. I've, I realise I've now backed myself into a corner because if I say anything, <gasps> watching other stuff. If I say I've been yeah. Watching anything, I'm kind of instantly in trouble. Yeah, I have been watching other things because it gets to the point where I just Jeez. want to watch something nice and calming Which and relaxing. Girls is like, and just like 
happy so and joyous. Happy. So I've been catching up on The Walking Dead. So uh, <laughs> I can't look at It's you. been fantastic. Like, but I'm tish. Absolutely, yeah. No, but but genuinely, so the thing that I got so excited about this season is seeing Maggie and Negan together yeah. and the dynamic. Lest we forget, Negan bashed Maggie's husband's brains in with a barbed wire wrapped baseball bat. It's mm. kind of hard to come back from that. Um, but watching those two together and this kind of truce between them has been fascinating. I have loved every second of it. They should be on screen together all the time. It's really, really interesting. They have a particular conversation over a campfire, which is fucking brutal. <laughs> like, it is truth bombs detonating left and right. Um, it's really, really good. I mean, yes, admittedly, like this season, certainly they've introduced a sort of, uh, I was about to say it's a B-plot. It's actually pretty much the A-plot. And then the main one is the B-plot and will, I think, become the A-plot. But, um, you know, they deviated from the comics a little bit to give certain characters more to do. And, you know, okay, it's bad group of people in a community go to war with our our particular bad people in the community and they have a fight. Like That's the format of basically The Walking Dead in general. But it is strangely gripping and it's tied back in a number of places to those kind of uh, Walking Dead special bonus episodes that we got uh, at the end of last year, which was great. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I I was really excited about that. So I'm, I'm very much keeping up with my with my Walking Dead. And uh, spoiler for the news section, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan was saying there was some <laughs> early talks about some sort of Negan spin-off series, which I am absolutely He's here for. He's been talking about this for a oh, while. Was, I mean, it's not going to happen, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Uh, also, how many more spin-offs do we need from the fucking Admittedly, yeah. admittedly, but if there's a Here's Negan series, I'm definitely all watching right. it. That's yeah. that's just what I'm okay. going to say to you. But yeah, no, that, that's basically all I watched this week was just, just caught up on Walking Dead because I've been a little bit behind. Been a bit remiss, I had. Mm. So uh, mm. I thought that would be fun. Right, well, that's obviously what we've been watching. So let's move on to this week's listener question. And this week's question comes from Brendo at Green Brendo. Since this week's, meaning last week's, podcast was like you all had your minds wiped, well, all except Beth, <laughs> what are the best amnesia uses in a TV show? Now, I'm not saying this is actually a great question, but I, I liked that it had... <laughs> sing this poem. But I liked that it had thematic resonance. Yeah, it was, <laughs> so. it was a timely piece. Um, I mean, also, are there actually any good uses of amnesia? easier into it. It's a t- I find it such a lazy plot Oh, device. it's terrible. It's genuinely like, it's terrible. It's so bad. It is so lazy. And I think, like, nowhere is that better exemplified than in season one of 24, where <laughs> Terry Bauer, they realise they have fucking nothing to do with her. Like, what are we going to do with that? We're going to have a car crash. She's going to lose her memory for a bunch of episodes. Just wander <laughs> randomly around the countryside bumping into things. And they thought that was a good plot. And then just to double down on it, they ended up with the cougar in the season after, because they have Kim pursued by a cougar <laughs> for several episodes or whatever. It's madness. Um, but yeah, that that particular like Jack Bauer's wife subplot is truly dreadful. But yeah, I mean, genuinely, can you think of a good use of amnesia anywhere? The only one I can think of as Buffy was Tabula Rasa, where um, they all and and that's essentially a fan service, where they all wake up and like Buffy can't remember how to fight, and Giles and Anya think they're married. I'd forgotten all about yeah. that. Well, I had to, I had to do some digging to be honest, because also the the episodes with amnesia, and I hadn't watched any of them. Like, I just hadn't watched really? it, so I'd gone a bit of a deep dive. Uh, and Buffy was the best <laughs> the best um, one I could think of. Because, yeah, because it just wipes the slate clean for, for a lovely contained episode where you get to see all these kind of dreamed-up scenarios between them. You know, mm. what if? It was like a Buffy what if. Um, and Giles and Annie are in that. I mean, Giles and Annie are my, my favourites anyway, but Giles and Annie are in that thinking that they're married and actually having really incredible chemistry together was really, really great. Before he went off and uh, bought West Ham. Yeah, well, yeah, indeed. I was going to say, you have complicated feelings about Ripper Giles whenever you see Ted Lasso. Um, yeah, there's a really good two-part episode of Doctor Who, which is called Human Nature, featuring David Tennant's Doctor. 
And the idea of it was that what would happen if the Doctor ends up in the past, just in England, and he and he and he kind of has a self-imposed amnesia where he doesn't know mm. he's the Doctor, and he's just a normal guy, if you like. Um, but he has kind of like dreams of this heroic figure who does travel through time and space or does something similar and has these amazing adventures. And that's a really good idea of that. That Paul Cornell wrote that story, and I remember loving that two-part and kind of the way he explored this idea that he can't remember what he's turned himself into means he can't remember because of his new persona who's called John Smith by the way he can't remember that he's the doctor and, and that I thought was great the Sinner series one was oh pretty much God, entirely yes. about amnesia, I forgot that yeah. that's yeah. an amazing so that's, one yeah, yeah so that's the best that's, that's the only, best yeah, yeah hands down it completely oh, so good yeah it's so brilliantly done yeah and um, I think the Sinner season one is is underrated in terms of just it's, it's amazing. a brilliant premise yeah. mm. Jessica Biel is unbelievably good in it yeah, yeah. and the, resol- I love, the resolution was so kind of Completely believable yeah. and plausible, mm. and so horrific as and well. And horrific yeah. at the same time. You're right. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. The 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 flashback to the re- resolution of what happened mm. to cause her to not remember of this stuff is so interesting. And the whole religious kind of cult element yeah. that they weave in. Yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant series. Um, yeah, so that would be my my big vote. And one. kind of life on Mars, Ashes to Ashes. That whole thing relied on amnesia to some extent. Well, it was more sort of altered perception, yeah. wasn't it? It wasn't um, yeah. so much amnesia. But, yeah, but, whatever the hell. Yeah. 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 But the sinner for sure. Yeah. And there was a show called Amnesia, I, I, I remembered, as I was <laughs> researching this, which Chris Lang wrote of um, Unforgotten Fame mm. and starred John Hanna and Gemma Redgrave. And it was about John Hanna, John Hanna's character is a cop whose wife disappeared or disappears on the fifth wedding anniversary. And it's literally called Amnesia. Um, and it was a two-part on ITV 2004, which I don't remember, I have to admit. <laughs> but now I'm like, I really want to get hold of it and watch it because it looks quite funny. And the um, if you if anyone, if you look at it on Wikipedia, the pack shot, the cover of the DVD release is so funny. It's literally John Hanna looking up into space, kind of going, I'm amnesia. Looking some, a bit lost. Some, I'm a bit amnesiac <laughs> or am I? I don't know. Someone is. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, see, I don't have an amnesia, but Absentia is very much uh, uh. geared around amnesia. And that's a series. I, I like, I guzzled that I think pretty much in in like a week or so or a week or two I got really into that it was quite quite compelling um, but yeah that's hinged around I think Blind Spot is another one I don't watch it but Blind Spot's oh, Blind another Spot amnesia it's 100% and that starts yeah. with him in um, Times Square yeah right? and with yeah. tattoos and yeah. whatnot and yeah, yeah okay so that's kind of themed on that I mean I feel like when you're in a when you're in a sort of science fiction thing I swear to God if you threw a tricorder in any direction you'd hit eight different episodes of Star Trek which revolve around amnesia <laughs> yeah. uh, but just to pick a couple there's the one where data uh, like ends up on a planet and they think he's some kind of frost giant because he's got amnesia if an android can have amnesia there's Kurt there's he's um, a man he's the measure of a man uh, it's, it's definitely not the measure of a man but it's definitely not that one but yes that is data uh, but it's I can't remember what that one's called actually oh it's uh, it's it's to thine own self or something it's, it's some quote from something anyway so there's that one and then there's the one where the whole of the enterprise gets amnesia they all wake up and no one knows who anyone is oh yeah what and there's a new person who's not a member of the crew pretending to be a member of the crew and we're all like it's him. Oh we don't God. know who he is. He's I not Riker. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's because these aliens have taken over the ship. They give them all amnesia to try and get them to kill another race of people. Right. Uh, so that's pretty bad. Farscape had a kind of thank God it's Friday again episode where everyone <laughs> gets amnesia. It's fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> the other thing I would bring up is Babylon 5 
obviously, which we talked well, about you would on the last up, episode. Yeah. But the reason I'm going to bring it up is Babylon 5 has a very interesting take on the death penalty. Mm-hmm. So in Babylon 5, instead of executing people, they give them the death of personality, which is essentially like a process-induced amnesia, where it just the whole personality is essentially sucked out of their oh, ears. And they become... Uh, <laughs> Boys getting some thoughts. They are reprogrammed <laughs> to love serving others. So they don't have anyone in prison. They just suck out their personality and they become essentially slaves. I mean, the ethics of that is what was questionable. What really but... expensive Netflix show? It had a similar thing with the um, the body was just a vessel for... Oh, altered carbon. Altered carbon. Yeah, yeah with sleeves. Yeah, so that was yeah, consciousness sleep. being transferred yeah. to different sleeves. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, which yeah. is good. I really liked altered carbon. Of course you did. Yeah, it was yeah. brilliant. And yeah, they everyone else was it. like bored to death. It was great. It was great. Because <laughs> we had Anthony had Mackie for season two. He was brilliant. Oh, yeah, there was season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And John yeah. Kinnaman was, uh, was the same. Takeshi naked, Kovac. Naked Kinnaman. That's right. Yes, there were cocks everywhere, weren't they? Yeah. Flopping around. It really was. Yeah, it was a great old big willy fest. But uh, it was good. It was good. Like that. Also carbon. Um, what else is there? Uh, probably loads of stuff, but I think we've had enough. But probably loads of stuff, but I've forgotten. Um, so <laughs> if you have a question to ask us, uh, then do feel free to send them to us. You can send them to at Pilot TV Pod via DM on Twitter uh, or Instagram if you like. It's entirely up to you. Or, or send them direct to me at James C. Dyer. Right. Shall we move on? To news. Yes. Oh, I don't want to because I know what we're going to have to talk Shall about. Shall we move on? <laughs> I've uh, seen the tweet. To oh, news. Really? I haven't. What tweet? <sighs> well. Oh, I missed this. this well, is, Boyd. This is like when you accidentally remind your teacher that you did get set homework. Oh, <laughs> oh God. And, <laughs> well, what is it? Well, so, Boyd, there was a trailer this week for Game of Thrones, oh, yeah. Yeah. House oh, yeah, of the sorry. Dragon, which I over the next that. four to five hours <laughs> I should <laughs> break down sorry. frame yeah. by frame. Yeah. Um, but but I I by that. James, you mean? No, I thought like, yeah. A, oh, yeah. Right. yeah. This is the part sorry, where you can yeah. both switch off and do other things. Okay, um, I'm just going to... No, but, no, but like, like, did, what did you guys think of it? Tell me, tell me, speak to me. I mean, it was like Game of Thrones. Yeah, it was exactly like what Game of Thrones. What more do you want? <laughs> but someone, and I can't remember who made the very good observation on Twitter, I think it might have been someone, like a clever writer type person, um... Uh, that oh so stylistically the world doesn't change hundreds of hundreds of years and everyone looks the same as they did in Game of Thrones even though it's set what 200 or something years before I thought that was an interesting point because yeah. well, the fashion hasn't changed yeah the changed. fashion look, oh. just generally so you wanted them point. to walk around like Targaryens in flares yeah. and like, yes. like hairy chests yeah. with like dragon yes. medallions yes. hanging yes. out they've got their some disco kind of fever that time cha- uh, fashion changes oh I would and, pay to see that yeah. like 80s themed yes. Game of Thrones with yes. like shoulder pads and yes. massive hair exactly yeah um, other than that, I kind of it was exactly what I expected. I think, yeah. you know, if you just said this is the thing, so told you before about the, the 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 sect, the family, the tribe that has the dragons, yeah, yeah. and there's glimpses of dragons, yeah. and it's going to be all about fucking dragons, yeah. yeah. And I think because I feel like what I loved about Game of Thrones right from the start was that it was. A, a show really about medieval history and power games, which, you know, the creators made clear, with dragons. Yeah. Mm. But the dragons were always, like, just the with bit. It yeah. was the medieval power games that made it brilliant. Yeah. Um, whereas this time, I'm out of, I'm clearly open-minded. Of course, I'm, I'm excited about it. But there was nothing in the trailer that led me to think, oh, I, this is going to be an amazing surprise. And nothing <laughs> like I expected. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, it was a teaser, so yeah. it's short, isn't it? It's short. Yeah. So, but, but tell us what you thought as well. Yeah, no. Well, I, I agree mostly with, well, I agree with Boyd. I mean, I'm, I'm at a nice phase and I'm sure you're going to ruin this but I'm at a nice phase where I know that things go wrong for the Targaryens I can't remember specifically why and someone drew a really good comparison to this and Better Call Saul where you know it's a tragedy you know what's going to happen but you get kind of drawn into this world regardless so I'm, I'm interested in that respect and I 
hope to try and avoid what happens or remind myself of what happens to the Targaryens. I just know it doesn't end fucking well. Um, so I'm going to try and enjoy this for all I can. I'm excited about the cast. I think Matt Smith is a great choice for this. Mm. I really love Olivia Cook. I think she's a fantastic mm. young actor and, and I think she will fit very well into that world. I think she she has quite a dark role from what she said in interviews. So I think she gets to be a bit of a bit of a slippery snake. Um, and Paddy Considine and Reese Evans, I think, will be great as well. But yeah, it is just... More of the same. I just hope it's kind of learnt from its mistakes from the last season. Um, is all I'll say. Well, that's a whole other seventeen-minute monologue, which I won't deliver again here. <laughs> but uh, no, I the thing that a lot of people are saying is, you know, that the Game of Thrones went went off the boil when it kind of strayed away from the books. And you know, the thing with this is, it's based on a book, Fire and Blood, which is George R. R. Martin's history of the Targaryen dynasty, essentially. But this this is this is the the Dance of Dragons. So it's the civil war that's kind of rifts the Targaryen house in two. Yeah, it's, and. The thing about the book is it's not a novel. It is weird. It's a fantasy history book. It is literally just a history textbook okay. about the Targaryens. So, I mean, you're not wrong. It's quite boring. I mean, it is. It's really fucking dry. All those appendices to Lord of the Rings. Like, well, no, but it's, yeah, basically that. It's <laughs> like a great big whopping massive book that reads like one of your history textbooks. So, it's, it's, I struggled. I can't be honest. I struggled with it. And this is me. So, uh, but, but what I guess I'm getting at is that there, it's not, like they're making this shit up. They do have an outline for the political plotting of this. Right. So, like, George R. R. Martin's mythology is I mean, at the heart of this. It's all made up, James, by the way. <laughs> shush. Shush. This is all true. It's a documentary. <laughs> now... But what it doesn't have is the personality. And I suppose watching that trailer, like I can see, like, you know, you've got your character. So you've got Paddy Considine as King Viserys the first, and you see him with his Valerian steel sword, black fire in it, which is kind of cool. And that's great. And he's like a good king. And his daughter, his daughter, who is uh, Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen. So like she's he wants her to kind of succeed him onto the throne. Right. Uh, but of course, you know, it's all a bit patrilineal. They don't really like that kind of thing. Nevertheless, I think it's the only child, so that can happen. However, however, Alicent Hightower, who is Olivia Cook, she and you see her holding the dagger, which looks like the dagger yeah, from Game of Thrones in this, which is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so away. she, I think, I believe she marries King Viserys. Don't like, don't tell. I don't want to hear all this though. Can all I right, not fine. just watch it just, in the no, show? No, no. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, so that, this is the <laughs> setup for the show. So it's all this, that, it. and the other, and then you got creepy Uncle Damon, which is Matt Smith. The less said about his relationship with characters, the better. Yeah, like the less said. Most of this, the better. Oh, that's fine. Oh my fine. God! This is a dagger to his heart. See, that's what he does. A Valyrian steel dagger to my heart. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I can't tell you about Steve Toussaint, the sea snake, Corlys Valerian. You could tell me about why I should be excited about this, having never read the books and will never read the books. Guns don't kill people. Dragons do. There I'm we a go. fucking dragon, and Just... I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh my God! Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? There's no room for Goldie looking Jane on this podcast. I mean, um, it was a bit like you know, um, someone from Succession. What's his name from Succession? Oh my. God. <laughs> you are I've Kendall, Kendall, Roy. Kendall Roy as well as Alan Partridge you're also the Kendall Roy of this podcast I'll take that well. I'll take yeah. that you create, okay. create your own rap I think if you do the whole thing in rap then it'll be fine then, then we won't mind you know you're fine. ruining it I'll do my best okay fine I won't tell you the story don't tell me the but, entire story right. no could you well, not tell me the entire I story I don't know how we're going to fill the rest really of the podcast really remember it like, I'm not paying attention you have to let it wash over you it's all just nonsense just you'll forget it all okay the sort of TLDR version of what this is, is 
is basically that I'm here for the plot and the story arc and the dynastic politics of it. My worry is without the very detailed character work that Martin did in A Song of Ice and Fire, that these characters on paper, none of them feel like they have the kind of idiosyncratic appeal of like a Tyrion Lannister or a Varys or a Littlefinger. That's not to say they will not have. They absolutely yeah. may do. Yeah. And I am absolutely not... tell from the 92nd or whatever well, it was? Well, no, but it's exactly that. But, but just based oh, because, on the... Yeah, because George R. R. Martin hasn't well, yeah, just, established them. But not just that, but just knowing the sort of broad outlines of the characters from mm. the sort of broad outline book, yeah. like, they don't seem as instantly interesting as some of right. the, the Song of Ice and Fire characters, but that doesn't mean they won't be. <laughs> and also, Miguel Sapochnik is kind of like running the show and he did some of the greatest Game of Thrones action that we've seen on screen. So I, I do think this will be this will be pretty awesome. Uh, it's going to turn up next year and, you know, brace yourselves. You remember our old segment? Oh, you won't remember, boy, because you remember nothing that we do on the show, but, mm. but you remember Here Be Dragons where we did our, our sort of like uh, Game of Thrones spoiler specials at the oh, end yeah, of each we episode. Yeah, oh, we yeah. should totally yeah. do that again when after Terry, every episode of this. I, who had be- never watched it, she suddenly got really excited about it. And, yeah, and then like, stopped. Watched it and never she watched, watched it season six onwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's such a Terry Manu. Yeah. No, I'm Terry but, fucking White and I'm going to watch this yeah. from season six onwards. No, but she didn't. Like She came in at the final season. Uh, she hadn't watched anything before and she watched every episode up to the finale, missed the finale, then never went back oh, to yeah, it. And that that in itself is classic Terry. That is absolutely perfect. Um, I think I saw somewhere and I hope this is wrong that it's coming in January and I really hope like early January it's not somewhere on Google (laughs) it's like it's not it's not it's not it's not coming in January Uh, it will be next year but it's not January yeah Yeah. did you see there was a very funny news story where there were loads of complaints from a Cornish uh, holiday camp because the filming kept disrupting holiday campers all the dragons were like scaring the tourists all the filming and things was going on from like they could get in the way yeah so they bought them all those hampers at this little happy camp holiday camp oh that's nice that's, that's very sweet yeah that's very sweet <laughs> um, was it filmed all in it's filmed all in, in Britain though was it all the mostly oh um, I hope so oh all over the place I think it's shot in yeah. lots of different places but yes it did it did shoot here as well HBO know what they're doing though don't they they've yeah. got you know that's going to be fucking gigantic isn't it? they need it to be quite frankly <laughs> um, <laughs> do they I think they're right TV wise they're, they're, they're fine they're... no but I mean in terms of the future of Game of Thrones oh, right. as a franchise because they um, have yeah. big plans for this world oh, of course yeah yeah uh, sure. yeah know. And I'm not going to start this by saying the, you know, if only George R. R. Martin had big plans to finish novels, but I, I, I'm not going to start that. I'm not I love that. his, like, he's like, yeah, I see what you want. I'm going to do a graphic novel. There's yeah, nothing to yeah. do with any I know, of this. It's so funny. Like, all the Game of Thrones fans are like bleeding out of their ears. He's like, yes, I've just commissioned a new comic series. They're like, it's been 10 years, George. It's now, been 10 years. The, now, if you're him, like, aren't you sitting there going, well, I mean, they finished it for me. Like, what's the point? It's all it's been, true. It's over. It's, it's been true. finished. The story has been resolved. Mm. Yeah. But then all like the, like the gonna do? all like the final season haters will be like George, save us, write us a proper <laughs> ending. I just think it's like if I was him, and I think you know, I think I have, this is an insight into his current psychology. It'd be yeah. like I don't know why I bother. I yeah, know. I'm done. Yeah. I'm bored now. It's done. I'm gonna do graphic novels. Yeah. And he's and just like he's got a computer game coming out next year. Of course he's like, it's like of course he what are you doing, yeah. George? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, someone is going to kidnap that man and like tie him to a word processor, misery you. style, and make him you. fucking finish this you. series. You, as, like it might, you. it might be like me. the series. You, you could have him in a basement. That's in a, true. In a glass he may be thing. there even now in a glass box in my yeah. basement. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of glass, yes. Have you heard about Sky Glass? Oh, that's a great segue, oh, boy. That is a I great don't know. segue. I haven't, but I'm here for this segment. Yeah. <laughs> so Sky Glass, I think, is a potential massive theme because yeah, I agree this was announced today this is Thursday when recording this and it's basically at hardware so it's it's a, a TV set 
in, a, in, in you know it's glass um but it's instead of having when you buy a tv set you then have to either decide whether you can have a satellite dish to get sky q etc and a box you need for sky q etc or an LTV box you don't need anything it's all just the, the thing just literally the glass fronted tv monitor and it, all the all the all the all the, the the sky stuff all the platforms netflix amazon prime are all included in it if you pay the right price, and that, and, so, and there's no other boxes and nothing to sign up to, it's, it's in, in really interesting. Good but Lord. this is something now. My understanding is that they trialed dishless Sky. Is it in Germany? Certainly in Europe last right. year. Mm. So this is not a new thing. It's just not come right. to the UK yet. Because I mean, I do feel like satellite dishes do feel a little bit archaic at this stage. Yeah, yeah. So, so they were doing sort of over the internet Sky as distinct from now. To, and how they're going to gel that with now, I really do mm. not know. But they oh, would completely. they would do that because obviously now, which is Sky but over broadband, but doesn't have everything that Sky has, like sort of live broadcast recording, all the all the PBR stuff that that Sky Q has. And I don't think it has everything that's on Sky Q. And the reason. I Say that because I read it somewhere. So it, it has all the sky. It has all of Sky's content. Yeah, but just not everything you get on the Sky service. Um, God, that, yeah. I mean, it pretty. I much mean, does. as a now ambassador board, I would really I know, expect I know, you to know, know the answer. Maybe I mean, you're really testing me now. But the main thing about now is you don't have to sign up to. It's not a long term. You no, have to sign up to no. a long term contract. Yeah, 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 it's a contract free. It's more. Like, I mean, it is more convenient. I have to be honest yeah. with you. So I think with this, it is still like you still. They're hoping that you sign up to the long term. Mm. I think you can get it anyway without all the different things. But they're hoping you sign up to the long term contract in which you get Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix, iPlayer, and and now. Mm. as part of this whole thing yeah and um, which you without needing any other hardware yeah for my but the, my one observation though about this whole thing i think it's fascinating and interesting and and, and i think it's like the kind of what apple was has been doing i you know there are rumors of yeah. an apple branded television set yeah. for years and i yeah. haven't actually done it yet but it's almost like this is feels like what they're supposed to do because the, the other thing about it is the idea is you switch it on and it's and it's show led and it's kind of recommending shows that you might like led. But it's also, so say there's a show that, you know, with, with half of it, half of it, season one's on Amazon Prime, season two mm. and three are on iPlayer. Mm. It'll seamlessly let you watch it all wherever the fuck it's actually oh, wow. based. So that is that quite is clever. clever yeah. That is clever. Um, and they've got the agreement of all those different people to make that, you know, possible. But the, th the, fight, the main thing I noticed, <laughs> the size of the screen, the maximum size of the screen available, like pretty much now in the UK is 65 inches. And I'm sorry. This is not not, not big enough, that for you boys. Not big enough. For <laughs> and that's a fundamental error. When you've got a seventy-eight incher, as I do, <laughs> you're not going to go back to anything less than that, are you? I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so they've, they've just miscalculated. You need a, ugh, I mean, a humongous big big set. That is disgusting, for, Boyd. I mean, who who in their right mind could watch on a smaller than sixty-five inch oh TV? It's God, just so. disgusting. But they're aiming it. But I have a semi-serious point, which is that they're clear, <laughs> this is clearly aimed at TV no, obsessive. Boyd. Aficionado. I'm you. You are the only person <laughs> in the I'm world not. with a 78-inch <laughs> television. No, in the world. I can't no. even fathom what they're that is. They're 80s bigger. They're 80 and 82 as well, by oh the way. Oh, my goodness. I mean, 78 is nothing. No one has a 78-inch TV. <laughs> I, they do. Anyway. Oh. Yeah, I think they're miscalculated. They need to have one bigger up, one bigger. Okay. 75 yeah. would have been yeah. fine. 100. Why go for 100? Oh, there are. Cool 100. 100 ones. Yeah, there absolutely are 100 ones. Um, a yeah. Jumbotron. But... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up.
<laughs> but what's interesting is I'm reading this story on Variety and they misspell Nickelodeon to Nice Clodian. <laughs> Nice <laughs> I'm really. I'm going to call it Nice Clodian from that. Nice. From nice that one. Oh, Nice Clodian. Yeah. Autocorrect strikes again on a 65 inch TV. That's very funny. Yeah. That's very funny. But yeah, but this is this is an interesting thing. I think twofold. Having like dishless sky. I think. But then it's an. How does this going to work with like tariffs? Because the difference obviously between now TV and Sky in terms of cost, I think, is not insignificant. Yeah. So, but then it doesn't now works differently, isn't it? Because now you can either buy entertainment or cinema or sport or all three. Yeah. Like you have options, mm. isn't it? Yeah, and they're about like a tenner each, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like so that, it's yeah. like it'd be and like can, a tenner for entertainment. You individual things every, on any given day. And then you, you got, watch the football live all of a sudden. Yeah. You can pay for that and you, and you, and you watch it there. Yeah. But it's, like, but it's broadly speaking, it's like a tenner per package, yeah. isn't it? Same. And then there's Boost as well, isn't it? What's Boost, Boyd? I don't know. You're an ambassador, Boyd. I'm you should know what Boost that. is. But they, but <laughs> it says the television, the Sky Glass thing, will only be able to purchase with a Sky Network package, totaling thirty nine pounds right. per month for the smallest screen. Whew. Yeah, which breaks down as thirteen pounds per month for the screen and twenty six for the Sky Carriage package. So you said that sounds a lot, but if it includes Netflix and Amazon no, yeah. and yeah. Sky, that's right. actually not bad no, at exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Users will, however, have to pay for their own subscriptions to each streamer. Oh, so oh, it doesn't include any of that. Okay. Except when they purchase a Sky package that includes Netflix. Oh, it's very I'm complicated. very confused. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, yeah. you know. That's confusing. Yeah. It's but funny. okay, but but uh, the takeaway from this is that, that Dishless Sky <laughs> is coming and yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All Good. right. <laughs> Good. Thrilled. 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 <laughs> Thrilled, she says. Oh, uh, what else have we got? What else has happened this week? Were you excited, both of you, to hear that Bailey Bass, or Bailey Bass, I don't know how you pronounce it, is going to play Claudia the Vampire in AMC's Interview with the Vampire TV show? I don't know anything about this. I, mean, I don't know who that is. pretty much that, that in there, like okay. I, I don't know, know who it is either. Okay. But so she's going to play Claudia. Claudia's the little girl vampire. Kirsten Dunst in the film. I like oh, the film. Okay. I like Kirsten Dunst in the film. See, it's not uh, just me, Boyd. People do like the film. Oh, I like the film. No, yeah, I, like, I said that. I, yeah, I like the film. Yeah. That's almost like you didn't listen when I said I like the film. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost like we don't listen. Almost. Yeah. Um, I love how everyone's like second guessing yeah, themselves now. Yeah, yeah. That, maybe I, 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 think I, I might, might have anyway. said this a maybe few I, weeks maybe ago. Maybe you might have said this. Only, <laughs> and we've probably all said this already, but uh, I've yeah. said again also, and I apologise. Cancel culture, go on. Vigil is officially the UK's most watched new drama in three years. Mm. Beth is also public enemy number one. Me? Because, yes, because Beth said in last week's podcast and was castigated for this on our social media, she mentioned that Martin Comstone dies oh. in Vigil, which apparently <laughs> makes you a terrible person, even though it happens in the first five minutes of the first episode of the fucking series. I yeah. completely missed this but on social media. To be fair, I probably will. No, I think the person, the person who called you out, to be fair <laughs> yeah. to them, I think they've been saving the box set to watch, so they oh, don't know. Okay. Like, there always could be a show about Martin Comstone. Spoiler, it isn't. Um, but uh, it, it was... He does die very early. He does die very early. Very early. Was, and, and I'm not, but it was a, one of the, when the episode went out, BBC was like, please don't tell anyone that Martin Constant dies in the first yeah, episode. Fair they enough. Made that as a, but it is the first five minutes is, of the first episode. It's not five minutes. I would, I, I, I debate that. I think it's longer than that into it. But it is. Well, bearing in mind, Saran Jones is the oh, lead. in the first. Yeah. yeah. And she doesn't come into the show until after he dies. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. That so, because she's literally there to investigate his murder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, it's the most watched it for a whole new show. bunch yeah. of people. If we hadn't spoiled it in the <laughs> last week, we've now ruined it for everyone yeah. else. So, there you go. But here's the power of it, of it that it, you know, obviously it comes from Gemma Curio's production company, yep. which are actually the, the people who make um, Bodyguard and. Um, uh, line of duty, but 13.4 million people watched that first episode in the end, including um, which is fucking despite massive. Beth ruining it, despite <laughs> Beth ruining it. Um, it that is fucking huge, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, 
Um, and the fun, did you see in a bracket? So I meant to mention this last week, but someone there was a story in one of the tabloids saying that oh, Bodyguard season two is going to happen finally. Oh, really? You know, and the, yeah, and yeah. The, um, everyone's got their, you know, their, what's the phrase when you've got everything aligned? Everyone stars got, aligned, stars aligned, or whatever, something. But then, but then, Gemma Curio went on immediately. Was like, you are talking fucking shit on Twitter, basically. <gasps> I paraphrase <laughs> and denied it mass completely and said there's oh no, God. there's no confirmation at all yet. It's bullshit. But it's fascinating how that has not happened. How has so that when not you think happened? Bodyguard, yeah. the the biggest, more than Line of Duty itself, the biggest drama of the last 20 years, I believe, on TV, has not had a second series yet and has not even been confirmed as having a second series but yet. I it is fucking amazing. Kind do of you, respect that, yeah. Do you think it's because like the story they wanted to tell, they kind of told? No. No, you don't think it's like a lack of a lack of an idea. No, they they they. I guarantee you, Gemma Curio has got the story for the second series totally established in his head. He may even have written it. This is conjecture on my then part. What's he doing? Is him and fucking George R. R. Martin? They can both getting... be in my basement by next week. I tell you. But I remember him saying, like a year after the first series, that it's hard to get what's his name. You know. Madden, Richard Madden, Madden. 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 Game of Thrones, um, because he's so busy and he's been doing loads and loads of other things, and he was doing all these big movies, doing Hollywood movies. Mm. He's got another big thing coming. He's out. in the Eternals. 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 <laughs> Eternals yeah. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Um, so it was partly that. Um, so it's getting all the all the different uh, the talent together, the right people. So I, I think it, I think it's mostly that. And I think he won't. And he, then he also wants to do more Line of Duty, blah blah mm. blah. But I guarantee you there will be uh, that that he wants to do another series. A hundred percent. Because it's it's not even there's been way more limited series that clearly ended their stories that have been oh god gratuitously yeah. continued. Yeah. I mean, this is just a character of the of the bodyguard itself and the home secretary and all of that yeah. is you know that's those that, that could go on for many series. Line of Duty. Stuff. I mean, less so with the home secretary. Less but so, yeah. right. um, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I kind of I feel I'd be too scared to ask Jed if he's working on the sequel to that, lest he like like yeah, flame me alive. Did. I think someone did, didn't they? In one interview in the round of, of, of um, interviews he did for he did a comic um, graphic novel, didn't mm, he? Yesterday, yeah. and he didn't. He was not yeah, happy. No, but he was asked about that. No. <laughs> yeah, no. but I asked him years ago, and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, he'd love to." But <laughs> he didn't punch you. No, he didn't. No, at all. okay, good, no. good, no. good. That's nice. Uh, I don't, are either of you excited about and just like that? Yes. Yes. I was hoping you were going to bring yes. that up, but I didn't think you would. Oh, here I am. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's coming December uh, in America. I don't know if that means we're getting it here at the same time. I would like to think so. Uh, so it's Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon and Kristen Davis. Kristen Davis is back as the core three. Kim Cattrall is not back. Very exciting. Most of the core cast back. Although, as we address Willie Nelson died. Willie Nelson? Yeah. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, yeah. The, the dead country singer. <laughs> Willie Garson is the, the dead. Yeah. Singer. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, sorry Willie. Uh, Willie Garson passed away last month, very, very sadly. So I think he started filming. He did start filming. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with uh, his character Stanford in it. I'm, I am very excited, even though the last film was absolutely abominable. That was like, hateful. Absolutely it's dreadful. Um, and I'm glad they've gone down this route instead of a third film, which at one point genuinely was on the cards. Um, very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I don't know when we're getting a UK release, which it could mean it absolutely anything. Because you know be. we've gone over this. I know, but... HBO, would, December. They, I, I, if they don't show the day after it goes out, in America, I will be fucking astonished. Yeah, I, I think they have to because it's yeah. so. They know the shows that really, really so after they have to show them mm. very quickly. That's my because um, they say, don't they? But 
there's that question, you know, after you hear the HBO, um, you hear the Sopranos theme tune. Yeah, whose theme song? Minus Sex in the City. Oh, mine's 100. I hear always the Sopranos. I hear Kirby Enthusiasm. Do you? But like, it's funny when I was watching the trailer for actually for House of the Dragon. As soon as I hear that, I do. I hear the doom. You know, the little Sopranos thing kicks off in my head. Of course, the exciting thing about the Sex and City sequel is that Chris Noth. I was about to say you've got to remember this. It's Noth. It's Noth. Is back as well. Yeah. 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 I think all of them, all of yeah, the, all the, the all love interests are, yeah. are back. Yeah. yeah. Just um, no Samantha. It will be fascinating. Mm. When it, when it's like. I, I, if she's dead, mm. I'm going to be like, that's. I, I don't think she'll be dead. No. I haven't said that. When they're, when they're um, pap shots of them at a funeral scene, I think. Oh, God. Was that? Well, she had her. cancer, didn't she? That was the whole thing. Yeah. Like the yeah, it doesn't mean it's her. But you, you, if, it, if they do kill her off, that's that's going to feel like a real like revenge on it her. Really yeah. I think they probably because they're not even I don't think they're even trying to hide the fact that they didn't get on on the show at all Um, she went on she was on on, I hate to say the name but Piers Morgan's life stories Kim Cattrall and her description of Mm. why she ended up Mm. fucking hating them is really like it was raw. She, it was she, she talks get, about it as a campaign of yeah, bullying, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And it's rare you get that level of you know you get all the rumors, you hear all the rumors of unrest yeah. on set and, and wars between, particularly between actors. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. But to have it confirmed by her on the record on TV in front yeah. of your eyes was pretty extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Let's hope they don't go. Don't go down that route, but I'm so excited. I love yeah. it. Did you ever watch Sex <laughs> I did. I've not seen all of it. I've seen the certainly a huge chunk of the final season, including the finale. I watched maybe the first three seasons, but there's, there's definitely a chunk in the middle where I uh, I didn't watch it. But mm. I watched quite a bit of it. Okay. Uh, I remember almost none of it, but I did. I did watch a huge, a huge chunk <laughs> of it. Um, but it, it was quite like certainly for the era, it's quite shocking and bold and progressive. Oh, it was, and it I, did, I like, loved it's it. Incredible yeah. bit of I was bang on about mm. how, how how shocking and yeah. And, yeah. Um, I'm trying to avoid the use of the word bold, but you've just said it. But, so. but it, is, it, was. it is. It is very it bold was. because it was, it was incredably sex positive before yeah. being yeah. sex positive was really a thing. Exactly. Yeah. It was, I, I kind of, I remember being in school when it finished, but getting back, having a box set given to me for birthday and getting stuck into it and kind of having those messages go up, especially with Samantha and the idea of being a, a completely successful, fully formed person with a marvellous career that also really enjoys having promiscuous sex and is safe and happy and fulfilled was was pretty pretty fucking groundbreaking um obviously yeah. some of it's aged horribly but yeah. that's that's to that's be true of absolutely everything that yeah. was made like 20 plus years ago so but yeah it was it was it was such a joy to kind of grow up around that stuff because yeah that was um, it. Did push push it out quite a lot. A lot of uh, fluids on that show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, yes, that is actually one of my strongest <laughs> memories of that show. But that and shoes, they're both. Oh yeah, fluid and shoes. Yeah. Um, speaking <laughs> of fluid and shoes, actually not at all. But uh, you remember the Joseph Gordon-Levitt Apple Show, uh, Mr. Yes. Corman? Well, that has been yes. cancelled. No, it's no more shock there. I'm sure, Joseph is not thrilled yeah. about that, but the rest of us are fine with it. It was. Mediocre. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I wasn't a fan. Mm. Sorry. Um, do either of you watch Billions? No. I watched it for about three seasons. Yeah. Mm. And then I, then, but, but people love it, don't they? They do. But, yeah. but not so much Damien Lewis because he's left. Oh. <laughs> he is not returning. It has been confirmed. Damien Lewis, uh, obviously the fifth season finale, I think, has aired recently. Uh, and Damien Lewis has said he has exited the role as uh, Bobby Axelrod and will not be returning. So, so they're going to carry on without him. Apparently so. Well, this seems foolish. Apparently so. Really? Because mm. the whole thing is about pure Giamatti versus him. 
Mm, well, it? It, it was when, when you know we last watched it. I don't know. It might have changed. I, still, then, but, uh, they, they, I know they got together. They, they but the, I mean, those two are the, are the whole selling mm, point of the yeah. show for me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So they are great. It's a bit like carrying on Sex City without Samantha. Samantha. <laughs> Samantha yeah. um, so, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. All right. And the other thing I saw was that Cruel Intentions is getting a, a kind of a reboot as a TV series for IMDb TV. IMDb TV, <laughs> which they are making things like IMDb TV, delivered a big old box to my house oh, yeah, yesterday same. with a blanket in it yes, and a candle. Same. Yes, yes. And they <laughs> emailed me saying, um, did you get our package? And I said, yes, and I haven't done anything. Do you, yeah. I said, thank you. Thank you for my blanket and a candle. Have you not put it on social media? Have you not taken uh, a photo of it? To be it, fair, like actually it was like it arrived when I was out and my neighbour picked it up and she dropped it around first thing this morning and I just quickly as I was running out the door I thought, oh it's a blanket and a candle and then I legged it out the door so uh, you know thanks for the, the blanket and the candle but yes IMDb. so no IMDB TV we talked about this last week so this is on this is on Amazon it is on for free on as part of the Amazon uh, if you've got Amazon it is Prime, yeah, yeah, yeah. because you've got ads as you said it's got yeah. kind of minimal-ish ads it's it ad-supported ad ad and it's yeah. mainly films I think isn't it we're just there's loads of TV that, there's um, there's some show uh, launching late that they um, yes which they send the screeners about. for yes. Regina Bellman yes which, which apparently that show's been going for years I have fucking no idea. Okay. You know about that? Interesting. Yeah. No, I yeah. didn't know that. I mean, but that is, that's their big kind of original in quotes um, launch uh, next Friday. Uh, Leverage. Yes, that's yeah. it, which we may or may not review. Yeah, Leverage colon Redemption, right? So that arrives on... That the fr- feels like the sequel to Leverage. Like right. Leverage 2. Leverage. But I didn't co- even know about Leverage. Like Do you know about... Book there is a ghost. show called Leverage. This has been going for years. And this is Leverage Redemption. And this is Leverage colon Redemption, which is the kind of new... The I, new I, Reboot of I've it. never seen Leverage. I've never seen Leverage either. But I don't know why I need redemption. Years. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. All right. Oh, God, that's, it's... That's, yeah. that's interesting. Anyway, that's on IMDb TV, which you can get on Amazon, and they will send you a blanket and a candle. <laughs> well, they won't send it to everyone. <laughs> <Fucking candles. laughs> Guaranteed with every subscriber. Oh, one blanket, God. one candle. Amazing. <laughs> you I would be, I would be more excited gonna... about. Coin... Do you know what? I'm not even sure I can talk about it. I was going to say I'd be more excited about Cruel Intentions, but I've been so badly burned. But I know what you can do last summer. Ah! Oh, steady! No, no, yeah, no, just no, don't name check about... it. No, just don't do name it. Do you mean rewatching the film? Is that what you meant? No, I, no. but just because I got, <laughs> I just got very excited. You know, it's a, yeah. a film I really love from yeah. that era. But also, Cruel Intentions TV re- reboot sounds almost exactly the same in my head as to the actual um, Gossip Girl TV reboot. <sighs> Which is, you know, it's pretty I, good. I, I, in my Which head, is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Cruel Intentions had already been a TV show spin-off. Like, I, um, I could so swear, it but maybe it's just been. because they all yeah, seem the same. Because right, um, yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar was in it. Was she? Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Someone, if only there was some kind of website where we could <laughs> I mean, look this stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> the, I know the sequels were dreadful. There's one of the sequels that Amy Adams in, I think. Oh yeah, in the sequels were like almost pretty much straight to video, weren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's doing some sort of dodgy stuff on a horse so. yeah. <laughs> I've got Sarah Michelle Gellar here in Cruel Intentions in 2016 yes <laughs> oh so she did a TV movie oh, right. movie. it's oh. a TV movie it's not a series it's a TV right. movie like a like, mm, okay. okay never seen that never will um <laughs> A couple of other things that I may or may not be parachuting in as I edit this because we missed it when we recorded it. But Foundation, glorious Foundation, has been renewed for season two ahead of finishing season one. That is extremely good news. Whether David S. Goyer will get 80 episodes as he wants, which <laughs> remains to be seen, but we're one step closer. And also, perhaps, perhaps even more excitingly, Catherine Hahn is getting her own WandaVision spin-off series focusing on Agatha. Uh, which are pretty cool. Jack Schaefer's going to be along for the ride for that as well. It was indeed Agatha all along.
Any other news before we move on? No, surely that's No, all. I think we're done, aren't we? Let's move on to the reviews. And first up, we have the belated return of you. Not literally you, but you, the Netflix series. <laughs> Never gets old. Uh, this is, of course, the Stalker series on Netflix, which not, not really a laughing matter subject-wise, somehow still managed to emerge as a kind of surprisingly entertaining guilty pleasure uh, when it emerged in 2018. So this is based on the book by Caroline Kepnes, and it stars Penn Badgley as Joe, an extremely creepy bookstore clerk uh, with an odd notion of romance, shall we say. Um, <laughs> euphemism of the year. So now as we enter series three, Joe is actually married uh, to Victoria Pedretti's uh, love. Uh, they've got a newborn baby and a house in the suburbs. But is family life all it's cracked up to be for your common or garden sociopath? And I think the person who should review this is oh. you. <laughs> oh. He's pointing at Beth. I'm pointing at you. <laughs> I'm pointing you. You can review it, and then me and Boyd will obviously instantly forget about it, and then Boyd will review it afterwards. Boyd yeah. say exactly the same yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, so I watched the first two seasons of this. I think that introducing Victoria Pedretti was genius. Um, that was straight off the back of Blythe Manor, wasn't it? Um, that did oh, actually, it would have been pre-Blythe Manor, wouldn't it? Break it would have been straight off the back of Hill House. Hill House, yes. Uh, so it kind of brought her in off the back of that fanfare, which was great, and the fact that she, I guess we can say, spoiler-wise that she turns out to be not 100% an angel. Well, it's been a couple of years. I think we can safely well, say that okay. they, they're well-matched. They're well-matched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well we fair warning to people. Yeah, if you haven't finished Yeah, if you've not two, watched any You... It's hard, to, re- it's hard yeah. to review season three without referring to what did happen. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think that was great to bring her in. And now we find Joe, as you say, in the suburbs. He's got two... You know, he was able to kind of move around to his own pace uh, in the first, well, right up until he meets love. Um, you know, he kind of goes wrong and does all, all sorts of terrible things. And yeah, it, it got some pretty shady responses from young women off the back of this. I remember there was a series of t- women would just tweet Penn Badgley and be like, kidnap me. <laughs> and he was like, funny. and he'd like quote tweet them and say, no, this is not okay. Guy. Yeah. Like, this is not, this is not what we wanted for this. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so so he was kind of moving at his own pace, just going around, wink, wink, kill, kill, and then uh, he he finds love, uh, literally, yeah. and um, yeah, by the end of it, she's pregnant, and and now he has these two permanent fixtures in his life. He has love, and he has Henry the baby. Mm. Um, you know what they say, Beth? Couples that slay together stay together. <laughs> that's very cute. Ah, oh, that's uh, horrifying. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they they they're living together in the suburbs. Um, still find a way to kind of. Resort back to old tendencies, shall we say. But what's different this time, and I don't think this necessarily works for me, is that they're really pushing for the empathy card for Joe. So whereas they were very, very vocal about the fact that we should not be on the side of Joe, want Joe to kidnap us in any way, go on any <laughs> dates with Joe, you know, just be in, in sort of a hundred feet of Joe in the first two seasons, we're now sort of being set up to feel sorry for Joe. So we're seeing these flashbacks of his childhood where he's being bullied by by a big group of... It could be Nate, let's be honest. It could be <laughs> Nate from Ted Lasso. His hair gets greyer as the episode goes on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're sort of dealing with that. He's now as well playing off the back of somebody who also has murderous tendencies and a, and a taste for violence. Um and then as well, they're playing off against these very villainous people in the suburbs. It becomes increasingly political. Um, we've got kind of comments on anti-vaxxers. Uh, we've got this 
awful kind of influencer woman awful. running amok on, on the suburbs called Kiki, um, who through voiceover, Joe is sort of explaining that she does all these kind of staged protests and woke culture, cancel culture, and, and all of these things, all these topical political things that are put up. And I feel like increasingly, I've not finished it, I've watched about four episodes, I feel like we're just being pushed closer and closer towards them and empathizing with these two people, whereas before what I enjoyed about it was it was entertaining to just see them be ghastly. <laughs> and violent and it was a little bit trashy whereas this I feel like it's trying to be a little bit more in politically involved a bit more ingrained in the cultural fabric and and yeah they're really pushing this empathy card maybe I'm just too sympathetic but I just feel like they're really pushing for us to kind of be on the side of these people whereas what I liked about it before is we could kind of be on the outside looking in and just watch all this like you know it's like squid game kind of thing this kind of distanced clinical violence um God, maybe I am a maybe I'm a psychopath. Maybe this is it's what's possible. Coming yeah. out. It's possible. Yeah, maybe. I think if you are, we all are. Um, uh, I th- it is trashy. That's what I love about. Yeah, it. I think it's yeah. still trashy. Medley, so. yeah. It's still trashy mm. because because of course it is. It's narrated by him. Yeah. It? you know by Pen Badger. So you're you're having a show about a psychopath who kidnaps people and kills them all. Sometimes that's to go various reasons. No, he does the narration. You're you are taken into his mind in that way, mm. and he is trying to make you feel sympathy for him. I mean, half the time, or at least to some extent, I think. And so, and, but that's what makes it. It's, it's one of the least annoying voiceover based shows yeah. I can think of. <laughs> I find I find too much voiceover really irritating. Yeah, generally. but he's yeah. funny. But he's, like, he's really, yeah. really funny. funny. Yeah. yeah, and the script and then the scripts are really sharp and clever. And Victoria Petrucci, as you say, is the masterstroke because bringing mm. her yeah. in. Oh, back in, we just happen to have you know. Wouldn't you know it? We've got two fucking. Yeah. In, this, in, yeah. in a relationship with a baby yeah. is a great setup <laughs> for this series, this new season, I think. And they don't waste it. Like, I think, and I also like, apparently, and, and I'm just, I was really up on it. Caroline Kemnis, who wrote the, the book, the first book, she's written, she has written three books about this, mm. these characters now. And this is kind of loosely based on the third book, and season two is loosely based on the second book. So they're pretty lucky that they've got her mm. beavering away, keeping these things going. But, George R. Martin could probably take a few. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but if you think, if you step, it's got, it's one of those shows where if you step back from it for more than like a minute and think <laughs> about it, it's absolutely preposterous yeah. bullshit from start to finish. Yeah. It is insanely ludicrous, but I love that about it, that it just doesn't give a shit and these things happen in it. Like at the end of episode one of season three, you're like, okay, yeah, maybe that's, <laughs> I mean, oh, no. that's where we are. Oh, and no. so it pootles along, doesn't it? Kind of for a bit, being a bit weird and introducing these characters and you're like, oh, being quite kind of, you know, satirical about about YouTubers and influencers and yeah. mum, there's a mum, um, what's it called, um, woman in that, who you talked about, um, who's really irritating and the mates, they're re- and they go to cafes and they talk about keto diets and yeah, whatnot. all that yeah. bullshit. But, and yet, you know, amazingly mad things happen in it that that keep you keep you absolutely glued to it. I think I, I love it. I think it's so entertaining. Um, and I think Pen Badgley and Padretti are brilliant together. And they really, are wonderful, really funny, and entertaining. Yeah. So this yeah. was the Christmas watch in 2018 yeah. and 2019, and I binge these, and it's just delightful. And I think they've done a really smart turn here because he is objectively on paper like a horrifying character. Yeah. He fixates on women, stalks them, and in some cases murders them all in the name of his twisted idea of what love is. Like he keeps like, like in first in this one, like there's a box where he's got like he's stolen underwear and like a used tampon and it's just like oh god I mean it's just vile and yet he finds a way to make that character 
partially sympathetic, but if not likable, he's likable regardless. And I do think that the genius stroke for this is, again, they, they make a point to think, right, he's a terrible character, so we'll surround him by people who are bigger bellends than yeah. him. And yeah. That's the master yeah, stroke. And I think yeah. the transition from scary stalker guy in season one, and again, surrounded by bellends, which is mm. why you find him more sympathetic. It's like yeah. the Roy family are the other people in the show. And um, But season two of this, it stopped being what it began and became like full Dexter. It went full Dexter. Yeah. And I like that this is like an evolution of that. Now it's it's Mr. and Mrs. Dexter in series three. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a guilty pleasure. And it's, but it's interesting because it's an evolution of that formula. Like Dexter worked because the whole idea was Dexter. Yes, he's a serial killer, but he only kills bad people. And then this is like, yes, he's a stalker, but he only kills bellends. So it's okay. <laughs> they're not evil, but they're bellends. So it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's trash and it's incredibly watchable. And I love it. And I've been maylining this for, uh, well, a number of days this week. And it's great. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's huge fun. It's, we've, we've had to wait a couple of years, but it's well worth the wait. Uh, you, of course, now back on Netflix and begins on Netflix on Friday the 15th. Next up, we have Cobra Cyber War, in which Robert Carlyle's Prime Minister has to deal with yet another hugely overblown catastrophe as a ship blows up and Russians attack. And needless to say, it doesn't go well. So insert your own dysfunctional British government joke here. Uh, Boydie, yes. what did you think of Cobra Cyber War? I, do you know what? I, I think, we, I think we, we, we did review season one. We did. I think, yeah, and I think I had pretty much the same sentence yes. that I think you, <laughs> you and Terry thought it was pretty bad. Yes. Okay, and I quite enjoyed it despite myself. <laughs> um, the thing I should say, but I love this kind of stuff. So I'm a big fan of um, 80s kind of disaster movies yeah. meets politics. Yeah. And so I love disaster movies. Absolutely love them. From, you know, Tarry Inferno is one of my favourite films. Poseidon Adventure. Bring them on. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and right all the way through to 2012 and all those ones. Um, and I also love political dramas, you know, so, you know, from West Wing to all the others <laughs> there are. Um, so it has to be pretty damn shit for me not to quite enjoy the basic idea of it, which is to mush those things together so that, you know, in the first series, it was like this big electrical... It was like a solar storm, solar wasn't it? Storm and it caused blackouts. Yeah, blackouts mm. and aeroplanes to crash from the sky, which was like in the very first episode. Um and then, and they convene Cobra, uh, as we all now, we, we all know, Cobra's now mainly famous for things that, that the Prime Minister doesn't go to. <laughs> yeah. 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 Robert Carlyle, however, does. Yeah, he's busy having holidays and stuff, but Robert Carlyle's <laughs> being a good version. He's a Tory, but yeah. he's kind of like a Dave Cameron-style Tory. So he that he's kind of like that. He, Victoria Hamilton plays his number two, and she's always brilliant in everything. Yeah. I love Victoria Hamilton. Yeah. So this does have the benefit. Richard Dorman is like the kind of whiz kid of solving huge, big global problems. Uh, that's his job. And <laughs> David Haig, who is brilliant in everything, and I love, who is one of the most camp over the top actors just generally. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He is amazing in it. He was like the Home Secretary Series One, and and he he's back in Series Two somehow. And as soon as he arrives on screen, like wanting to get back into the cabinet, I was like, oh yes, he's back. David yeah. Haig's back, and it's really funny and over scheming the top. in a gentleman's club. Yeah, <laughs> scheming in a, in a ludicrously to cut to the chase. He says, <laughs> like, no, you want to say that? That was good in real life. Thanks. I fucking love him. So so it's got all these elements that I really like. So. I'm very much predisposed to enjoying it. And I did enjoy it. The people thing that people said about it, and I think I'm pretty sure that you and Jake said about it at the time, is that it's like not, it's like you, it, it feels a bit cheap. And it's, you know, because it is trying to do these huge big things. Yeah. It's yeah. a big helicopter exploding, <laughs> yeah. flying into a school yeah. set piece in episode Which one. I'm pretty sure it was done with matchbox models. But right. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. So every night, and, and, uh, you know, everyone, I think I remember there was one review of 
for series one that was like, this is pitiful, like cheap. <laughs> but it's not, I don't think it is that bad, technically. I think it's fine. Like, it's, it's not like... fine. We're just used fine. to... Yeah. I mean, right. look at yeah. Vigil. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's not... Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, Vigil's we're spoiled. a good example. Yeah, we're spoiled. So everything is like technically and um you know beautifully made and i think this is pretty well made it's just it's clearly not like as massive a budget as certain shows like probably if it was on netflix it would probably look you know it might it might be even more ambitious and better mm. but considering what it's covering huge big global events and disasters and the implications of them politically i think it's great fun i think i think the the weak the main weakness of it is that robert Carlyle's character isn't very interesting so he's no. the prime minister that's mm. the most interesting thing about him he i, I think if he was more of a Boris Johnson figure as opposed to Dave Cameron yeah. figure, it would be better. He's a bit bland. He's a bit bland. And I, and I know why they're doing that because, again, it can surround him a bit you style with Bellens or have more personality <laughs> yeah. like, played by, played by um, <laughs> David Haig. But... I, I just feel like if he was more objectionable and, you know, just more of a, as I say, a classic objectionable twat of a Tory, yeah. I think it would be more entertaining than it is. I, yeah. think, it, I, I think it, to use that very trend, leans into being fair, you know, so the, he's a Tory, but we're not going to hate him. Yeah. But actually, you want to hate figure, don't you, really? Yeah, I think, well, you just need a personality, don't you? And yeah. I think in a way, that's where the casting lets us down because with Robert Carlyle, I'm sorry, even after all these years, you want Begbie. Yeah. Like, that's what you're expecting. We're getting a Begbie show, for goodness. I was about to say, we didn't mention that in news. There's going to be a Begbie yeah, right. spin-off show. Yeah. This is it. And I think in like casting, you are expecting character, you are expecting aggression, you are expecting anything other than this extreme Extremely, and I mean, he is a he is a Tory, but a very conservative, very measured leader mm. um, who's just. I, I I wrote in my notes. He looks like everybody's dad did <laughs> in like the the later lockdown, like distressed and gone and pissed off. Not quite sure really what's going to happen next. Not quite sure what's going on. Don't really know what to do. But you know, just grimly kind of bunkering down and getting through the next thing. Um, and I think yeah, that that I would have liked to have seen. <laughs> Bit more like showmanship yeah. from my fictional prime minister, um, <laughs> really. So that's that's sort of where it let, let it down for me a little bit. I mean, it was uh, it was fine. It was fine. I watched one episode in the end, and it was it was absolutely fine. I just think other shows are doing better in terms mm. of budget and storytelling, and and I do like that it does riff off two actual political parties and like yeah. draws that into the story. Yeah, um, good, yeah. Aside from things like West Wing or like the thick of it that doesn't really happen very often yeah, so that was quite actually, quite cool yeah. to see and um, there's a good podcaster character I quite like him he was played by the guy from I May Destroy You do you mm. remember I May Destroy You which got name checked in the Ted Lasso yes, finale he was like I really liked him in, in I May Destroy You that was amazing was it yeah. the finale anyway but it was in one of them yeah there's yeah. an author character who she gets involved with in I May Destroy You um, he's a really interesting character actually and he he, he plays the podcast I thought it's quite funny that they have a podcast right at the centre of events it's quite interesting at all but yeah, yeah. I, I think Beth absolutely nails it there. It's see, I was listening, and uh, <laughs> just so you could see that, I was absolutely yeah. listening to everything Beth was just saying, and it was great. Uh, no, but you're right. It's like it's not that this is bad. It's just other oh, shows are doing it a lot better, and it's just it's that classic thing. Like remember when we watched The Widow, and we're like, if this had come out in 2000, I would be watching this religiously. Mm. But it isn't 2000, and the same with this. Like you know, 20 years ago, this would be absolute appointment viewing, and now. It's just lost in the noise, and it's not bad. And you're right. There's high stakes. There's drama. There's disaster. You know. There's political intrigue. There's yeah. amazing characters, all of which are David Haig. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, it's just there's. It's not done well enough to make me think I'm going to block aside time to watch every episode of this. Like I've watched the first. One, I'm probably going to do what I did with season one. Watch the first one. I'm like yeah, okay, I fine. 
next you know and and i think that's that's where i fall with this so i don't i don't think it's bad at all i just think it's vying for our our most precious resource which is our time and <laughs> you know not being funny but there's a lot of stuff out there so sorry sorry cobra yeah. uh but anyway cobra does arrive on sky or begins i should say on sky max on friday october the 15th at 9 p.m and finally, this week, we are getting our Ingmar Bergman on in HBO's Scenes from a Marriage, which is a modern remake of Bergman's 70s miniseries of the same name. And this takes a look at contemporary coupling, focusing principally on Oscar Isaac's Jonathan and Jessica Chastain's Mira. Beth, were there incredible scenes from a marriage? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, this this to a degree is fail-proof. I think you've got Bergman's source material, you've got Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac, and the groundwork for this has been so beautifully laid with that now very viral video that exists from Venice Film Festival, which if you have not seen oh, yet... I haven't seen it. What is it? Are you being, are you no, being I'm serious? I'm 100% serious. Oh, I implore wow. you to go, I mean, go in and find this. Um, textbook James. <laughs> <laughs> What's their dragons in it? If not, I haven't seen yeah, it. No. So Empire writer Christina Newland actually tweeted this. It's this incredible video of um, Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain on the red carpet at oh, Venice. Oh, the slow motion thing. Yes. I have seen yeah. that. Yeah, so it is like the sexiest thing that's ever been on the internet. Good. Like, like I'm blushing as I'm talking about it. Yeah. But it's this real glacial, like, sweep and it has been slowed down This, although it does feel like this is what they would just do in real life anyway but it's this very glacial sweep of of Jessica Chastain's back from Oscar Isaac and just a shared look and Oscar Isaac playing every single one of us for every <laughs> sexual urge that we have yeah. Um. so yeah the groundwork with this has been like beautifully laid in terms of like the pair's chemistry and their compatibility and so with that in mind given that it is at the core about their very tumultuous marriage. Like, it's all there. It's there ready to eat with a spoon. Um, and then it is just a very meaty, very dialogue-heavy, dramatic miniseries, which is everything that should work about this show. It works wonderfully. It is just, that is what it is. So I think, take from the way I've, I've written about it in my notes is it's like a prestige version of the breakup episode of Friends where the rest of the friends are <laughs> locked brilliant. in the bedroom and Ross and Rachel are spending the whole episode talking about what works in the relationship, what doesn't work in the relationship and what's going to happen next with the relationship. This is what happens over this entire series. Only if Ross was like, you know, a good person and Rachel was like a woman in tech. Like that's what we're dealing with here. It's just a couple very much getting into the depths of their marriage and the depths of their personalities and how their past traumas and relationships are, are feeding into this marriage. That is that is it. That's what you're getting. Um, so with that in mind, it's just very, it's how I felt about the morning show a little bit as well. Where I had to watch it a lot in quick succession. It is very intense, very dialogue driven. There's a lot of feelings and not just like the perma feels as, as Sophie says, and I will mention this in every single episode because it's such <laughs> yes, a good will. phrase. 
you know it's not just as sort of oh it's it's like like you really get dragged into like the trenches with them as they're like battling it out trying to you know get to the fundamentals and and oscar isaac's character he's he was an orthodox jew and he's he's abandoned his religion so that's coming from it uh jessica chastain's character is the product of a a string of abusive relationships um and the way that they meet each other is interesting you hear about it all through therapy so it begins in therapy like that's what we're dealing with it's like feelings from the off just just people chatting out their feelings so it is it is exquisitely performed wonderfully written it's it's all of those things that make it incredibly prestige it's just incredibly intense with with not a lot of um respite really and i think again and this is the product of how we watch shows for this podcast it has meant having to watch episodes very intensely in very quick succession which is going to probably you know sway a little bit how i feel about this but but yeah, it's foolproof, but just a, just a fucking lot. I thought it was an unbearable bore. Yes, boy. Drag it, drag it. Drag it. Drag it. Get out the popcorn. <laughs> I, the I'm, I'm sorry. And I, you know, I, 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 my, the thing about the the um, Venice Film Festival arm touching yeah. um, video, which, which to which you quite rightly refer, is I'd rather watch that for five <laughs> than this because there's more chemistry there between them than there is in this show. I think they're so boring, both of them, and I think it's mainly the thought of the script. Mm. Like they are not interesting characters. The only interesting thing about them is that they are having this breakup or they're having those their relationship issues. Mm. And that's not enough. Like, you know, because there have been loads of... Like, Marriage Story was a film massively inspired by scenes from a, a marriage, yeah. right? The, the film with... Um, you know, I forget Adam everyone's Driver, names. Thank you. Adam Driver. Thank you, Scott Hansen. And that was brilliant. I love that film. But they were, right from the off, powerful, sharp, funny characters who were, like, having slangy matches that were compelling and entertaining. Mm. These two are kind of banal and bland. And I don't even think... I don't... I think the dialogue isn't particularly like hot. Dialogue needs to be more heightened. If you can, if I'm going to watch five fucking hours <laughs> of basically two people interrupted every now and then by another couple, maybe or whatever, yeah. but essentially two people tearing strips of each other, I need it to be funny and witty and sharp. It's just, I just found it incredibly boring and repetitive. And I think they're kind of weirdly miscast. Like I don't think I. I just don't think they're interesting. Like, imagine if we're... Right, seriously, Pem Badgley and, you know, <laughs> Victoria Pedretti, I'd rather see them in this show yeah. than these two. So the, even they are the most prestigious actors and they've, you know, and they've, they've, they've played Husband Wife before in, in um, Vogue's Violent Year, that film. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I don't think they have... I don't think that... I didn't believe it at all. I thought it was very... I, the main problem is the script, though. It's, it's got by the Israeli guy who did In Treatment, um, who wrote it. And I just think it's just not... I just don't think the dialogue's interesting enough. You know, it's it really, and you know, I can think of loads of films and TV shows that are basically about a relationship and forensically. And Master of None, series three. I don't know if you watch that, which is about mm, two women yeah. in this kind of situation. Mm. That's better. You know, really, really entertaining, funny. Um, you know, um, there are just loads of examples. Of, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? You know, like this is like the anti. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? It's like a terrifying Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor tearing chunks of each other, and it is amazing. And this is like two people like, oh, you know, <laughs> who is okay whining. with Virginia Woolf? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. It's like they're just fucking whining at each other for five hours. I found it 
borderline unbearable. I'm serious. Wow. And I really was excited about it because I like. Because you're I, among the stars, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was really excited <laughs> by the prospect of it. But, but you know, I think Liv Ullman, you know, is in Scenes for a Marriage. And I just think she's, I, I, I think Ingmar Bergman knew what he was doing more than um, Haggai Levy, to name him, the writer-director of this. I just, I was, re- I was absolutely gutted by how boring it was. I could wow. not believe how boring it was. Sorry. I love it when you throw a curveball. Oh, yeah, it, it, it always entertains me. I have to say, I was shocked <laughs> by how much I loved this. Oh, my God. God. Like, like, what is happening? I was a little bit like, <laughs> like, I have not got the fucking patience to watch this shit. And I put it on and I was doing sort of like, as I have a tendency to do sometimes when I've got it, I play it picture in picture on my iPad while I'm writing the script for Pilot because uh, I always do these things last minute. And, and, I was, and I kept stopping writing and I couldn't write and I was just, I found it absolutely sort of hypnotically magnetic. <gasps> I couldn't tear my eyes off it. And I know what you mean because it is not... Like not a lot happens, and it's not overdone. They're not screaming at each other. It's not fights. It's affection, but with layered microaggressions mm. in there. It's very subtle. Like that on the face of it, they have a decent relationship. Externally speaking, they think they have a good relationship, but you see the cracks early on. And I just thought, just to your point, Boyd, I thought the chemistry with them was like nothing I'd ever seen. <laughs> oh my God. Like genuine, I was just like, I believe this so wholeheartedly that they have this layer of sort of palpable affection and love, but it's been tempered over time and the novelty's gone and it's worn a little bit as all long-term relationships are. Let's not forget, like it happens to everyone, you know, that bit where you take each other for granted and there are little things about your partner which irritate you, which once you didn't mind, now you want to smother them in their sleep, you know. But and I loved it. And I, the conversation between them and just the nuanced performances just like in terms of acting masterclasses, I was like, these two are fucking incredible. Mm. Just the no, way <laughs> the expressions <laughs> on their faces when they are sitting on that couch talking to that kind of PhD researcher. Mm. Yeah. And just the little, and just Chastain in particular, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. I was just like, I am in awe of her. Wow. And and when they had that sort of that, that dinner party with Corey Stoll and his partner come oh, down there and they have this like really awkward conversation so about which I thought I thought was interesting in the way it was performed, but also it was a big discussion about, mm. you know, you know, polyamorous relationships and the pitfalls of them and how, as I think is is not uncommon where they work for one partner a lot more than they work for the other partner and I thought that was a really interesting conversation they had layered with the awkwardness of having essentially a domestic in front of your friends which is super awkward and then the kiss moment which comes soon after which you're like whoa and the awkwardness after that is played to perfection as well yeah to me this was this was it worked on two levels. From from a pure acting point of view, I was like, this is people at the top of their game. And also, I just thought, you know, the, the, the script isn't showy, but I thought what it did was, and I think the performances, like the script alone doesn't do this. I think it's a combination of these incredible performances. They're, what I thought was incredible chemistry. And I thought the screenplay brought out from those performances was a, a, I'm not going to use the word verisimilitude, even though Terry isn't here to take the piss out of me, but (laughs) there's an organic legitimacy, a truthfulness to it. There was something about this that just felt very real to me. It was so believable. And that alone made it so compelling to me. And while Among the Stars last week literally had me wanting to sort of bludgeon myself to death with a space shuttle model, like this, I could have watched all day. I just, I did, I loved it to 
bits. Oh my god! And not just not just to troll you, boy. This is not just an incredibly <laughs> elaborate no, trolling. We haven't of even you. talked about the real the the the, um, the the other incredible thing about it that irritates me so much is the which is the pretentious gimmick they have of opening each episode with the actors getting for ready for their role. <laughs> okay, that Where, threw me. I, I was mean, like, what is this? Hell. But for yeah. me, yeah. that was such a misjudgment because it's yeah. basically the creator's way of saying, look, this show is so amazing, it's so real, it's so believable, and we've done such a brilliant job that even if we introduce them as actors getting ready for the role, you're still going to believe that. everything. And I'm like, no, you're just me. being an utter massive pretentious <laughs> Because also I didn't know what the show was when that right. happened. And I was like, so what, is she an actor? Like, yeah. what's happening? No, yeah, yeah. But also, just it's watching, like, her, watching her poor assistant having to get it, rid of her gum for her. crucially, crucially, like that looked to me, it didn't look like, oh, that's Jessica Chastain getting ready for the scene. I felt like an incredibly artificial and fake yes. look at, you know, and I was it like, is. what? It was really I mean, that weird. was super pretentious, incredibly ill-advised. That needs to go and die and well, kill it with fire. that's the first thing that happened. So that got yeah. me, it just uh, riled me I'm up. I'm with you on that. So, wish, yeah, that's terrible. I wish I'd watched you watching oh, that. Yeah. That, was that, was that was hateful. That was hateful. <laughs> yeah. Other than that. Well, I mean, I can't separate it from that fucking ridiculous device. That's so funny. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, Oh, I've enjoyed this. It's good. That I, I like when we disagree on these things. Uh, but that is Scenes from a Marriage, and it comes to, it's a four-parter, I want to say. Five, I think. Five-parter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this starts on Sky Atlantic on Monday, October the 11th at 9 p.m. Uh, what else is out this week, buddy? Well, um, there is um, the second series. Well, I know what we did last summer, which we weren't allowed to review. Yes, it's, um, yes. it's one of us may have watched that. Yeah, I, two of us. <clears> two of us may have watched, watched that. I have many things to say. Can't possibly comment, <laughs> but it is a. I think it's a ten-part. Um, I thought you were going to say it's a ten-star show. <laughs> no, I was going to continue to say nothing. How many stars it will be? Um, but it does arrive on Amazon Prime on Friday. Um, and it is a TV series from adapted. It was a novel, basically. So apart from being a classic '90s kind of stalking slash horror film, I know it does something. It started out as a novel, oh. and yeah. And this is, as they say, you know, a, a close 1973 novel. But having we have watched it, I was gonna, I was about to start reviewing it, but we can't say. <laughs> it's very self-consciously modern, isn't it? Yeah. Beth? Like there's lots of mobile phones and and stuff. It's the yification <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. Right, it's the yification. It's, it's right. But no, here. we can't judge it. We can't review it. Cause it's I know what you did in the early 90s, and yes. it was watch this film, and now we made <laughs> yes. a TV show. Yes. Exactly. Um, there's guilt, which I for the I think for probably for the second series running, I, I apologise for us not reviewing it. Really. <laughs> should because it's really really good it's Mark Bonner Jamie it's basically like the first series with these brothers got involved in a hit and run it was all about the cover up the unwise yeah. you know what happens if you unwise you try and cover something up and then this is the new series of that with the same characters Mark Bonner back Mark Bonner is brilliant and everything it's really good that's on BBC Two on Thursday Another BBC... Life is back for Another season two on back. Netflix that's the one with um, with Katie Sackhoff if you remember I took objection to the unrealistic threesome yes. in that, and that's what made I was watching it I was here for it they had an unrealistic threesome and I Stop watching it. Uh, but that yeah. is a science fiction show on Netflix, and that starts on the 14th. Um, Dave, Dave, your favourite. Oh, Little Dicky. Yeah, Little Dicky, Little Dicky. That will have started yesterday, Sunday, yeah. um, series two, and it's all on iPlayer. And again, that's another show that I really should have insisted we review because I think it's fucking amazing. Have you ever seen it, Beth? No. Okay. But it is absolutely, it, it really addresses like full on. Um, ideas like um, in the new series kind of white privilege and um, mental illness and having a small penis having a deformed penis um, uh, incredible stuff it addresses but oh in a brilliantly God. funny way I think it's amazing um, but you hated it didn't you, didn't you uh, me and Terry did. in fact all three of us didn't like it much but then you revisited I, I, it and I you, totally, did a, you did a reverse ferret I did a massive reverse ferret yeah. <laughs> that's back that's all on iPlay the whole thing 
Oh, hold on a second. The whole thing is on iPlayer now. The Hundreds final season. So the Hundred, which is a YA show, which is actually halfway decent. I watched, I think, the first three seasons of this before, you know, stopping. But season seven uh, comes to four music, which seems... Okay. Sounds to me like a radio channel, but apparently that's an actual TV channel. For music, uh, I believe it might be even be co-owned by our, our parent company, Bell. Oh, is it? I think so. Oh, yeah, it certainly was at one point. Why the yeah. hundred is on four music, I don't know. They, but have, the they, do, have, they do show some quite good TV. Black okay. Popular, yeah, good TV uh, on four music. That comes right. at 9pm on the 15th. There's two Disney Plus things, Just Beyond which is an eight-part comedy anthology from R.L. Stein, source material. Yes, oh. yes, Goosebumps, ma'am. Yeah, Goosebumps mm. and Fear Street um, fame. That starts on Wednesday on Disney+. And Reservation Dogs also yeah. uh, oh. premieres, which is the Native American teenage show co-created by Taika Waititi. Yeah, no, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's actually been a lot sweet. of good stuff this week. There's also, Hightown is back for a second season. I think we quite enjoyed that. That's on Stars Play on the 17th. Yeah, and there's loads of stuff that, if I mention, will annoy you. But, um, like, Portrait Artist of the Year, amazing show. That's back on Sky. Stop it. Oh, Just stop On it. Wednesday. And there's a brilliant Paul Merson documentary tonight on BBC One, everyone, Arsenal player, about his addictions. It's Anything else, Boyd? What's happening in Brookside? Oh, see? <laughs> see, that's what I have to start with. Yeah. yeah. No, that's enough. Oh. Uh, what's our pick of the week? Boyd's is obviously seen from a marriage. Yeah. No, it's you, which is the which is better at um, long-term relationship <laughs> analysis than seen from a marriage. More believable. Yeah. Believable's the big word. Um, I'm... I'm going to go Scenes from a Marriage. I love Scenes from a Marriage, wow. but for me, you is just, it's its so trashily joyous. I love it. So that is probably it for me. Um, well, that is it, I guess, for this week's show. It is not as long as the week before last, so please use this time we're giving back to you to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Unless, like Beth, you've already written one, and Boyd and I have simply forgotten. Um, follow us on social media at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, at Beth K. Webb, and make sure to tune in next week when we'll be talking about Apple invasion or rather we would if the rather harsh embargo permitted us to do so but it doesn't succession succession yes 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 you have to wait for the week after for uh for invasion but but it's all okay because we will be able to talk about the original bell end fest succession (laughs) as void says which will be returning for its third season which interestingly enough and not to spoil anything but uh, alan sepinwall famous rolling stone tv critic who has never been a fan of succession has done a reverse ferret on succession <gasps> with season three oh, so maybe this is my moment Boyd to no, I, revise I, I my position read, that's exciting because I, I love Alan yeah. Sepinwall and he's got brilliant taste yes, he, and, he wrote the Sopranos book didn't he yes he yeah. did indeed yeah yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's great oh, but he's, uh, he's done a reverse ferret on, on succession so maybe I will too who knows uh, and we might also have a look at Netflix's uh, sort of door obsessed YA show lock and key as well <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll see what happens until then love it pilots out <laughs>